Nope. No ice. And five. Now this is most important, Rat. It comes down to making out. Whenever possible. Put on side one of Rock all over you podcast! Let's rock! Eric and Edwin. Edwin and Eric, they don't give a fuck. They just want you to rock. Yeah. That's still Wang. I'm Eric Jordan on CP. Edwin somewhere. Break out the beer. Break out the babes and the wet floor signs because we're making them wet. This is the Rock All Over You podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Rock All Over You podcast. It's me, Eric, and with me as always is Edwin. How you doing, Edwin? Yeah, doing pretty good. Just poured myself some uh, Glenn Levitt scotch. You know, I thought scotch is the nectar of the gods. Oh, yeah. And we're, you know... This album that we'll be discussing is about the gods, so I feel like I feel like up in Valhalla they're drinking scotch. That's that's what yeah. that's my view anyway. So I figured it, it'd work well with that. I'm drinking some uh, barefoot Riesling because I'm all out of beer, uh, but I figured I'd, I'd class it up a little bit. I mean, we're we're talking about yeah, like uh, Tony Martin era Black Sabbath, and we we got you know kind of a high profile guest on the show, but. Uh, before I introduce him, what do you think of that new intro, Edwin? The, the new intro, see, I get, I, it's a little extra. It is, yeah. Just like the <laughs> other one was. Uh, it's great. I love yeah. it. I do think that we need uh, maybe in the future, like it should be streamlined a bit, yep. like a little, a little shorter. But it's yeah. fun. It's like all you're but, doing, uh, like this Kenny Power shit. All the fireworks and and orgasms, and it's it's yeah, it's very entertaining. And, I do like it. I would like to point out uh, the reason we had to change our intro after only the first episode. Um, if you hear the original intro, uh, Bill Wang is banging a girl in that <laughs> intro. Uh, well, Bill Wang is such a badass, and he's a real man's man, that uh, when he uh, came, uh, this girl couldn't handle it, and she spontaneously combusted like a Spinal Tap drummer. Uh, so we basically had to redo the entire intro out of respect for the family of that young girl. Her name was Misty. Rest in peace, Misty. All right, and Edwin, why don't you introduce, because we literally, like, this is some, uh, this is a big guest star we got on the show. The We got one half of the fucking podcast kings. That's right, royalty. He's actually a bona fide podcast king. It's been proven. It's science. It's the one and only, you all know him, Ralph Vieira, a.k.a. Dr. Fuck himself. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Chicago, my job! Wait, say hey. that again. Say it again. Chicago, my god! Yeah! That's the way to do it. I'm here, hey, guys, I'm here drinking mango green iced tea, the nectar of the fags. <laughs> <laughs> 
we gotta cover it on both ends. Yep, yep. Hey, that's how it rolls up there in Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, uh, for those of you, if I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're just living under a fucking rock, uh, Ralph Vieira, a.k.a. Dr. Fuck, has a YouTube channel by the name of Almost Human 56 and is probably the greatest KISS YouTube channel. Not KISS anymore, it's uh, everything. He covers everything from KISS, Cheap Trick, fucking Metallica, Megadeth, ABBA, Your Mom, Black Sabbath. Uh, he does all kinds of great reviews, track by tracks. Um, Sammy, so- Sammy Hagar bashing, a lot of Sammy Hagar bashing. Yeah. yeah. Also the um, singer for Thrasher Die, Combat, also one half of the Podcast Kings, the great Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I mean, he's a man of a thousand trades. Yeah, how, how the fuck do I have time to do anything with all this shit I do? <laughs> but you, you know, if you are retired these days. I have noticed, Ralph, that once you retired, and it seems like you retired just in time, but it was like right before COVID happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, suddenly, I mean, you had a lot of con- content to begin with, but once yeah. you retired, it was like you fucking were giving it up to the people. Like every day there's something on your YouTube page. Isn't it every day pretty much? Yeah, it is every day. Uh, what I do is, like, you know, believe it or not, I take a lot of breaks, but, you know, there, the days that I, there's days I make, like, several videos a day that I can fill up a whole week, which is, you know, like an hour of my time here at home. You know, I get a lot of donations. A lot of people ask me to do stuff. And when they do, I think of stuff for me to do as well, that I knock it all out in a day, you know, and... Uh, then I just kick back for like uh, 10 days. I don't record anything, but I have something to put up every day. Wow, that seems like a good system. You're a, you're a machine, you know, and obviously that's why you have the large numbers. I mean, how many subscribers do you got like currently? It was, it turned 25,000 in the beginning of the year, and I think I'm at 25,400 something now. He'll nice. be more about. He'll be more by the time this episode's up because <laughs> I hope so, man. I hope so because I'm loving it, man. I'm loving the community. I'm loving. Uh, I mean, you know, basically the YouTube thing is like it's the most successful thing I got. You know, it's uh, it's really taken off. When I stopped doing just Kiss, you know, Kiss. I love Kiss, man. Don't get me wrong, but they're not even in my top ten. You know, and back in the day, I had like. A Black Sabbath channel, a Kiss channel, a Cheap Trick channel, a channel for other bands. And I was like, why am I doing it? Let me just combine them all together. And yes, there was a lot of Kiss squats out there that were very upset about it. And I was like, dude, I'm still putting up Kiss every week. Where, And when it was just a Kiss channel, they'd be lucky if they got two or three videos a month. Now they get a Kiss content every fucking week and they still complain because they don't want other bands to filth. The Kiss Channel. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I knew I was taking a chance, but I said, you know what? I don't give a fuck. I gotta be happy. If I lose all my subscribers, so be it. But quite the contrary, you know? It's uh, more than double the subscribers I have since I changed it. I actually did put down the date that I did it. just to, And I put down the date and I put down the number of subscribers I had. And when I first did it, yes, there were subscribers that left. I noticed like, you know, like 100 were gone, then I'd see like 150 added, then 50 more gone. It kept like going back and forth for a while, but now that doesn't happen anymore. It's steadily just growing and growing and growing and 
fucking badass. And uh, Edwin, I love your channel too, dude. Well, thank you so much, Ralph. You know, I was telling Eric uh, earlier, one thing, I don't know if I ever told you this, Ralph, but, you know, I really appreciate you, not just stick, you know, you were always very supportive of my YouTube, my little tiny YouTube channel that I started, like, primarily during, like, when the pandemic started, like, during lockdown. You were always so encouraging, you were always promoting it, you were always, like, saying good things to me about it, so I really appreciate that. And between that and you creating so much awesome content on your channel and the Vera Vault, and all, which is also your podcast along with the RMCP, uh, you you really helped me like through that period. And like even like down in Florida, people forget there was a period where Florida was locked down for a little bit yeah. uh, early on. And like during that period, Ralph, you really helped me through that. And well, I just want to thank you. Uh, I'm uh, uh, anytime, dude. And you know what I like about your channel is that. It's called the Edward Canastracci, is it, that's what it's called, right? Edward Canastracci uh, channel, right? Yeah, I don't actually have a name, it's just my name, Edwin Canastracci. All right, but I li what I like about it is that it's Edwin Canastracci and it's you doing the videos, alone. So you don't put Edward Canastracci in France. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you're, mean, you're real, dude, you're not delusional. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's just me, you know, it's just me talking to myself for about an hour. <laughs> yep. And, and, and that's the thing, Ralph. And yeah. you, ha you actually have friends, too. No, yeah, that's the irony. I, I yeah, actually shit do tons of friends. friends. <laughs> that's crazy stuff. It's some of them are even in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy. You know, this is it, and I consider you a friend, Ralph, even though we have not met in person yet, although I am planning to be at Rock and Pod. Finally. I'm here. I, I said I would last year, but this year I really, really fucking mean it. I was saying that to Chris the other day. I really will be here. It's really always a blast, man. I always have such a good time in Nashville. It's always fun. And it's crazy because even when you and Ian weren't talking during the pandemic, and I do think that you guys splitting up did cause it, scientifically yeah. speaking. It did, yeah. You guys caused, yeah, COVID, that Chinese person in the lab like dropped something the moment you guys broke up and yeah because everybody you know was distracted by our breakup that it hit everybody <laughs> yeah and, and so that's what happened but and then you guys coming back together you know it's still there, out there I don't want to talk about COVID but it's definitely we're definitely turning a corner compared to where we were a year or two ago so yeah. and I do so I do say the RMCP army it's helpful during that but even when you guys weren't uh, together when you were divorced you know you both were really good friends to me during that period you know between Ian was hooking me up with uh, his contact Mr X with a lot of music and I was doing a lot of deep diving one of which was uh, with the Tony Martin era Sabbath stuff which actually I didn't have those IRS albums before uh, so that was that you know I was diving into a lot of shit and then on the other end. You're being very supportive of my videos and just you're just creating all this awesome content. Your page starts. It was already big to begin with, by the way. You know, people you don't know. If there's like one or two people that happen to be listening to this who aren't familiar with Ralph, his his YouTube channel was already like a legendary channel. But I tell you, after the pandemic and after you were retired and had more time on your hand, it just like he took it to a whole other level. And now he's like a superstar. Uh, YouTube super, superstar. My favorite thing you do is the news. Actually, that's the thing yeah, I do. That's, that's the most popular thing I do. Actually, it gets the most numbers. It's so funny. Like you always were funny. Like you always had a sense <laughs> of humor. You're a witty guy. But 
I noticed in the past year, and I mentioned this in one of my comments before, that it's kind of become like a full-fledged comedy show now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, it's, it's not so funny. To do, by the way. You always come up. I love when uh, little Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> little Timmy's hilarious. You gotta bring little Timmy back. And I just love that you, you, you leaned into the fact, like, how do I make fun of Kiss even when there isn't a news story about Kiss, which yeah. is rare because there's always some fucking story about Kiss every week. But yeah. once in a blue moon, there isn't a story about Kiss. And somehow you turn that into a joke. Which is, yeah, I think it was in the last one. Kiss didn't do nothing last week. <laughs> and I did a viewer mail thing from somebody called Kiss T. Twat. Or Kiss T. Watt. <laughs> and uh, saying, leave Kiss alone. And then I did a little Kiss back. Yeah. I, I, I love doing it. I, you know, and I love getting those comments. Like, you're not a real Kiss fan. You know, because I love comedy when people write shit like that. It really does make me laugh how, how uptight these Kiss Watts are. But I gotta say, man, lately, Hagar Twats have been getting them a run for their money because, you know, Kiss Twats, you kinda like, you know, excuse it because, you know, they're, they're, they're Twats. But yeah. Hagar Twats actually live off his lives. And, you know, when I say something like, you know, uh, Ross sold more, they say no. They, he didn't. It was, and then I show them the, uh, the RIA website. Oh, but you can't go by that. It's like, what are you talking about? That's the record sale. You know, people just look for any fucking excuse. And then my favorite is when people say, Ralph is a shitty singer. And I'm like, well, um, you think that? To you, he is. I mean, I, I don't have no problem out there. Anybody that says Ralph is, Ralph is a shitty singer. But when I put on Hear About It Later, I mean, how can I agree with people like that? You know, it's like, but... The, the main, my main thing is, man, dude, you can like, you can hate on Black Sabbath with Ozzy Osbourne all you want. That's my favorite band of all time. It doesn't affect me at all. And I don't know, I just don't get the whole concept of, you know, I, I gotta dislike you because you don't like what I like. It's, it's weird to me. Yeah. It's just, I told I, I totally agree. Like, that was one thing I connected. I think I told you this on an RMCP episode once that the way I, you know, started listening to that podcast was your channel. It uh, was about humans. And I connected with what you were doing because it's like you were a Kiss fan. Like you do love Kiss. I do. But, love them, yeah. but you had a sense of humor about them and an awareness of them, like objectivity about them. I mean, yeah, it, they're silly. They're guys wearing fucking clown makeup. But. But they had a lot of great fucking songs, you know? They were great performers back in the day. Uh, so, so you were like, you had this like realistic view of Kiss. You loved Kiss, but at the same time, you weren't like an idiot about it and you were had a sense of humor about them. That's and, where, yeah, that's where the fuck puppet comes in. <laughs> the, fuck, the fuck puppet is actually material I, I got from people online because there are Kiss fans that you know, they did no wrong. You cannot say nothing bad about KISS. Fuck, I bashed Black Sabbath with what they did to Bill Ward. No band is sacred, man. I mean, you know, well, you know, Armored Saint Rush. Yeah. I mean, those guys don't do anything stupid. But, you know, there's other bands, like my favorite band. They do stupid shit, so I'm going to call them out on it. And, and, yeah. But, man, there's no, no... Other than KISS, I can't think of nobody. Sammy comes close, but KISS do, does the most boneheaded shit. Oh yeah, I agree. And that's the one I, I agree with Edwin too is I love your channel because 
you're a Kiss fan, but like you didn't you know, you didn't kiss ass. You told it as it was. You had your opinions, and you didn't shy away from them. And I, I always love that because you know you see all these other Kiss channels, and it's like you know this band can do no wrong to them. And it's like, come on, really? You know, I always love that about your channel. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if you're not laughing at Kiss a bit, too, you're kind of missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're an idiot, you know? You're, you're, you're just don't... Oh, you know, Paul... Uh, dude, I have the great Charlie Hill. I love Charlie Hill. I love Charlie um, Hill, too. Great guy. He, me and him went to one of these Kiss, um, Kiss uh, pre-crew shows, and, dude, this South American guy came up to me, but... Dr. Fuck, I love you, but leave Paul alone. And then I said, wait, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I go to Charlie, I go, Charlie, film this. And Charlie filmed this, dude. I still haven't put it up. I got to put it up. This guy went off on me. Tell me how much you love me, but stop with the fucking Paul. You know what I'm saying? I love this dude. I mean, it's just so fucking I mean, he was like very, very, he really meant it. Like, yeah. don't talk shit about Paul. And then I told him, you know, on the video, I go, all right, I'll stop talking about how much his voice sucks and what a hip hypocrite he is and shit like that. And he's like, you see, that's what I mean. Stop. Stop saying <laughs> shit like that. You, you got to put that up. That sounds funny. It's funny. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, can't we make fun of rich rock stars that live in Bel Air? I mean, yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> as long as they do stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, their mouth shut. Like, you know, Lammy's a good example. What mm -hmm. the fuck? Lemmy is like the antithesis of fucking Paul Stanley. That guy, yeah. he spoke his mind like Paul does, but he doesn't second guess what he says. And everything that that guy would say was gold. There was nothing to goof on Lemmy about, you know? No, you yeah. can't. There's nothing to fucking goof on Lemmy. He's, and that's it. Yeah, Motorhead is my favorite band. They're totally ungoofable. Uh, so is Black Sabbath. And mm -hmm. I guess well, this is a good segue to discuss... This is so weird, and I, you and me, Ralph, we talked a little bit about this in Messenger, but, you know, I was planning this. We were discussing what was, was going to be our second episode, and we both agreed that you should be on it, and it'd be awesome if you could come on it. You're our number one influence and inspiration. So, okay. yeah, so it's, it's Ian, so... Ian would be number two, okay? Always me before Ian. Never forget that. That is the <laughs> official order. It is the official yep. order. It's just like how Kiss, I think, isn't it like... Paul, Gene, Ace, Peter, or is it Gene, Paul, Ace, Peter? I don't know. All I know is it's Ralph and Ian. Ian is funnier <laughs> than me, but when it comes to Ian and me, I'm a total kiss twat, and I want it my way. <laughs> Ian's and very I'm hard to book, say that too. My modesty sucks. <laughs> but it's good. I mean, and that's uh, it's so great that you guys got back together, too. You yeah. know? I love and Ian, and I always loved him. Even during the fights and shit, when we weren't talking, I refused to talk bad about the guy, even though he didn't do the same. But, you know, that's all right. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, you know, I found out who my true friends were. You know, I all you fuckers, like you, uh, Edwin, and Eric uh, Rock. Eric, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, that guy, you know, yeah. you all didn't pick sides where there was one guy, and I never unfriended him, but he recently wrote me and said, why are you always giving me shit? I go, dude, when I got in a fight with uh, Ian, you called me a knob jockey. <laughs> Therefore, but, you know, it didn't upset me enough to, it didn't upset me enough to delete him, but it, it just, you know, you know who your true friends are. But I'm cool with the guy now. I'm not going to name his name, but, you know, I mean, he did take Ian's side, which is, 
you know, you know your true friends, you know, when shit like that happens and all, and everybody else, Mick Watkins, you know, I mean, Dick Watkins and all you people never took sides and you were all Ian's friend and you're all my friend. And that's what I kept telling everybody. Listen to Ian, uh, Diablos, Costaga, whatever the fuck. <laughs> support it, support Ian, because Ian's a talent. Ian's hilarious. He's funnier than me. He just has a problem with, uh, no, it's, I'm sorry, it's me that has a problem with his name in front of mine. That's not cool. <laughs> it's like uh, George Lynch didn't like Dawkins, the band being called Dawkins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would never join the Wadley podcast. My ego would not allow that. But yeah, you got, that's the thing. Yeah, Eric and me. And it's funny because Eric, I only knew him as Eric RMCP for a long time. And I had no idea that he was this kid who's just in his 20s. Because you've been there. How long were you part of the RMCP Army? I mean, even before um, we officially made it the RMCP Army. It had to be 2014. 2014 is when I saw my first, uh, my first uh, Almost Human video. And uh, shortly after that, I saw... Him, I saw Ralph post the first episode of uh, Rock and Metal Combat podcast. That you know, I saw and those were Women and Children First was the first one I heard about, and I listened to it. And I was just, I was hooked, you know. And it uh, not only did the podcast, you know, have music I loved on it that they talked about, but it introduced me to new bands. It also too, you know, reignited my love for certain bands that maybe I I hadn't been listening to in a while and whatnot. It helped me through a pretty rough rough time in my life um and man i've been i've been hooked ever since man it's like a it's like a drug wow so you came in there about a year before me even i came in around 2015 i think no way Dude, nice. i yeah. was there at the beginning <laughs> really no way the very <laughs> first episode one i was already into it it's so weird do you think it's weird when you listen back to those like early episodes i can't i can't <laughs> i can't because of terrence i just can't he's unlistenable and it's all yeah. my fault. You know, one of my biggest regrets in life was adding him because I didn't know him at the time. I, I I always saw him putting up little tidbits, and it was part of the Almost Human channel uh, Facebook page. And I made a post, and it was just a it was a fake post because I made a post going, "Man, I want to start a podcast because I was really into Ken Mills and Bob Nalbanian. I would listen to those podcasts constantly. I wasn't aware of Decibel Geek yet." And uh, I said, I want to start a podcast. I made a post, and Ian, I think it was Ian, that was the first one to say, I'll do it, and I'll set everything up. I said, I didn't know who the fuck Ian was. I just wanted a podcast. I go, all right, let's do it. Then fucking, I, I find out this guy is just beyond hilarious, and he's a scumbag like me. It's like, even <laughs> but me being the dumbass I was back then, not knowing Terrence good enough, I thought Terrence would be the abbot to two Costellos. You know, and you know he'd be the straight guy, but I, little did I know the guy just—it's just so deadpan and horrible that oh, this is you know we wanted. I wanted him out. He didn't want him out. I was just too—you uh, know—I'm too nice of a guy to do it. But then you heard the infamous episode where Ian fired him, and I him love that episode. back, and now he's saying he was never fired. Which it, it, it's the uh, maiden, right? No yeah, fear for the dying. No yeah, fear of the dark. Also. Yeah, uh, that's one of the classics where Ian just like cussed him out. You're fired. <laughs> all right, all right, Terrence. He's like, he doesn't remember a second of it. He's so drunk. He's like, all right, Terrence, we'll let you back on the show under under one uh, condition: you wear a wig. 
And that's the thing, you guys, you know, you picked up, you organically went where you needed to go, and that's the thing, something special, like, not only in those early episodes you got Terrence, but they were kind of shorter, a little more reined in, but as they got longer and it became like the Ralph and Ian show, and you guys yeah. just naturally, it's like, becomes like improvisation, it becomes loose and cool, yeah. it becomes, it becomes art, I consider it's, your it's podcast scripted, art. It's not scripted, man, it's totally not scripted, I, you know, we just wing it, you know? Yeah, it has a, a lot of... It has a lot of the quality of like some of those early like Howard Stern shows from like the eighties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we are we are a little cutting edge show. Yeah. It's 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 really amazing stuff. Uh, and to bring it back to Tony Martin and what we were talking about Messenger a week or two ago, I it's so weird because we had decided we need we wanted you to come on the show and we were yeah. discussing uh, what so what album would we do and I said well it should be Sabbath you know that's Ralph's favorite band is yeah. Black Sabbath. And we were thinking, but I didn't want to pick like an obvious album, you know. I didn't want to do Ozzy Air, I think, because even though I do love it, it's obvious. Or the the first two Dio albums, a little too obvious. So, and I believe so you, I believe you're the one that suggested Tear because yeah. I want Ralph on the show. And I was like, well, if Ralph's gonna be on the show, let's do Black Sabbath. That's spirit band. And I kind of let you decide what album, and you said Tear, and I'm like. Well, that's perfect because I don't want to review an obvious album. I want to review something like for the diehard. So I was like, "That's perfect." Yeah. So that's yeah. So I so, so that album popped in my mind. Uh, so I said that that'd be a cool album to d- discuss with Ralph. And I know his opinion changed over it over time too. So it's that kind of album. It's an album you could like maybe hate one year and then love the next year. It's that kind of album. So it's a cool album to talk about. And then, unbeknownst to both of us. Literally, I think it's like days later, after you agreed to do the episode, Ralph, you had this interview with Tony Martin. Yeah. How fucking crazy. That, that was you, awesome. Did you know at the time I asked you to do this that you were interviewing Tony Martin? No, because I must have not have, because it was a, it was pretty much a, it was a situation where I found out the day before I was going to do it, and it was going to be at 10 in the morning, and I don't, I, I don't know what the morning's <laughs> like. So I actually fucking went to sleep. I mean, I prepared myself, man. I, I went to sleep early, got up really early, and uh, it was awesome. But it was done in two weeks because the first week we did it, he wanted something. He wanted to clarify that he wasn't talking about the band when he was saying certain things were done. It was actually management. So he wanted to clarify that. So I told him, yeah, dude, when's good for you? And he said Tuesday, which is a week later. So I had to, you know, sit on that interview for a week to do, you know, the li- little clarifications. But, dude, that guy couldn't have been nicer. And he wrote me a couple days ago. Thank awesome. you. You know, he thanked me. He's, he told me that, uh, thank you so much. You know, it got so much traction, you know, on all these different, you know, Loudwire, Blabbermouth, Classic Rock, that he thanked me for getting his side of the story out because, you know, his side of the story were always written in books. And it was never really him. So he finally got to clear the air on a lot of stuff. But I am, I call it my ego or call it whatever, I am a little irked. Because he recently did an interview where the headline was like, Dio did not like seeing him backstage at some show. And I was like, he said that on my interview. You know? <laughs> and I noticed, like, I thought that would be, like, I go, if this ever gets on Blattermouth, I'm sure they'll talk about this. But they didn't. They, they all talked about him being on the Dehumanizer um, album, 
uh, I mean, the, the, the demos. And that was always the, the headline. And Loudwire said, my, their headline was, Black Sabbath tried to oust Ronnie James Dio. I was like, dude, he didn't say anything even remotely close to that. It was total clickbait. And, but, yeah, man, it, it got a lot of traction, and he was very thankful for it. And uh, couldn't have been nicer. He sent me something, a song, a Christmas song that's called, uh, uh, oh, man, I forgot the name of it. It's something to, it was like, uh, who put, oh, it's called, who put the devil in Christmas? And it's really cool. Because, you know, Santa has the same letters as Satan. Yep. And it, yeah. I mean, he sent me this shit. Don't share it with nobody. I won't tell you. I was so nice of him to do that. He just couldn't have been a nicer guy, and I absolutely loved uh, having him on. He was great. Yeah, he seems really nice uh, and just really open and like a straight shooter, like no bullshit and not really guarded. That's probably why, like, subsequently he's like, oh shit, like, let's say a few more things because he's just such a candid, natural, like, he was just talking to you the way a person talks to a friend, you know? Yeah, and, and it was hardly was... edited. I mean, I think I edited just like two seconds of something, you know, just, uh, you know, to make it flow better. But that whole interview is all, you know, not edited at all, really. You could tell. And it's amazing. And it's like when it's a little like when Ian interviewed uh, Overkill, although, you know, you had even more time with Tony is you could tell like when a real fan is interviewing a person. So it's not like just a bunch of stock questions. Yeah, you know, the questions aren't stock. It's like, I'm sure he was immediately impressed by the questions you're asking, because it's like, you're a real fan that knows his shit. And there's like, there's substance to the questions you're asking him. And you, you could, and he obviously respected that and responded as a result with, you know, amazing answers. It's one of the great, actually, rock interviews I've ever seen or heard. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I totally and, recommend everyone listen to it right I, after this I podcast. Was like, you know, like I was saying, I was sitting on it for a week thinking... Oh shit! I can't wait for people to see this. I mean, Tony Martin fans are gonna love this because you know there's a lot of things I wasn't quite sure of. You know, the bass player in the Shining video and all that. You know, I was like, he finally gave me the answer, thorough answers, where there's no mistaking. You know, everything he said. You know, and uh, it, it, I mean, everybody. I haven't seen one negative thing, other than you know, hey, blocks out without goals. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah. But other than that, that, nobody said anything negative about the actual interview, you know? So, yeah, it was great, dude, because, you know, I, I've been flying the Tony Martin flag even ever since he was in the band, you know? I was one of these guys that, you know, I'd run out by the album and, and actually love it, you know? I was, like, in love with this stuff that they were doing. And, uh, you know, when I got the offer to interview him, I was like, shit. Yeah. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think, I didn't sit down and write shit down at all. Nothing, because I knew exactly what to ask them. I was like, "Oh, there's so many things I want to tell this dude and find out about and talk." And yeah, I, I even know his solo shit. You know, I'm very well versed in this shit. And you know, in the interview, they sent me his new record. You know, um, and dude, I'm like, "Holy shit!" I mean, wow, what an album, man. I mean, every song is so amazing. It's like, dude, I, you know, and I, and I also thought. Interview and I go, man, I don't want to come off as a fanboy. You know, most interviews, oh, your new album's really good and they don't really mean it. I meant it, man. That shit's amazing. I absolutely love uh, his new album, Forms. I totally recommend it. Every song's a winner. You're helping it sell, too. Uh, and I really mean that because obviously 
your interview with him got a lot of traction. It led yeah, it to, a, yeah, it got mentioned on a lot of sites, a lot of websites. It got people talking about Tony Martin again. So it really shined a spotlight on his new album, Thorns. So I think a lot of people did buy that because of that interview. And then, and then the latest news is that they're going to finally actually remaster these albums. One of the albums, which we're going to be talking about soon, the IRS. Uh, Tony Martin era Black Sabbath albums they're finally you know yeah. going to remaster them he it's about time out, he came out today and said that they're not going to be sold individually you can only get them on the box set which I'm sure is going to upset a lot of people but fuck me I'm like yeah give it okay. to me in a box set who, who, who wait a minute who, who wouldn't just buy that box set who's in the Tony Martin era Black Sabbath well Real. I've seen some people grumble like I don't want Forbidden <laughs> Hey, if I want, if I'm a fan of the Tony Martin era, I'm buying all the albums. So fuck I'm it, I'm buying that box set when it comes out. I'm a completist, man. I want it all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that they will add Forbidden to the overall price of the bundle of the CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think for spoiler alert, if we ever do review that album, I don't think Forbidden's really that bad. Everyone always oh, talks so bad about it. It's not. It it does to me. It has some really horrible songs but mm-hmm. man rusty angels man i mean that's yeah. worth it alone and kiss of death i mean rusty like, angels is a, i like rusty angels that's pretty much the only song i like on that album i will say eric i yeah we're not gonna do for bit <laughs> <laughs> if we do it's because like i'm 70 years old and we're running out of albums yeah <laughs> okay sounds good <laughs> that's never gonna happen dude <laughs> albums are endless yeah, we'll, we'll have a lot, a lot of better albums before we have to do fucking Forbidden. It, you know what's so crazy though? The band that played on Forbidden is the band that played on this goddamn album. How crazy is that? Yeah, yeah, Cozy came back. Yeah, yeah, night and day. I don't want to spoil my opinions about this album, but let's just say night and day compared to fucking Forbidden. I uh, never got to see Cozy Powell, and the one time I saw Tony Martin was uh. What the fuck, man? Cross purposes. Cross purposes. Yeah, yeah with Bobby Rondinelli. So it's like, goddamn, the only one he didn't do with Tony Martin, other than uh, Eternal Idol. Uh, but but yeah, man. Uh, though it was a great show, but I regret that you know Tear or you know or Headless Cross or even Forbidden didn't come here because I would have loved to see you know late great Co- Cozy Powell. Who is on this fucking ass? Yeah, I would uh, love to have seen Cozy Pal too, and I never did. He's actually, he's one of my favorite drummers. He plays on a lot of my, like a lot of bands, like my favorite album of theirs. Usually Cozy's the drummer of. Like uh, Rainbow's Rising, that's my favorite Rainbow album, Cozy. My favorite White Snake album is Slide It In, Cozy. And if we're counting Tony Martin era Sabbath, as its own band, which we really should, you know. <laughs> uh, it's not Black Sabbath, come on, it's a different band. No, so, no band is Black Sabbath unless it's Ozzy, Geezer, yeah. Bill, or Tony, because it doesn't sound like it. No, I'm not complaining, yep. but to me, Black Sabbath is 70 Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And obviously, I mean, he with Seventh Star, like whatever the Tony Martin era is, it kind of started, I think, with Seventh Star. And if Tony had his way, it'd just be called T- Tony Iommi. But he knew that no one would promote, you know, his albums, and he wouldn't get the same money if it was called Tony Iommi. So he's calling it Black Sabbath, which is fair yeah. enough. You know, you gotta yeah. make a living. Gotta make a living. You want people to hear your awesome music you're making. 
so yeah, you're going to do what you got to do. But I mean, I feel like if Seven Star, like if he won that battle and they released it as Tony Iommi and not featuring Tony Iommi, and if it took off, like this album would have been called Tony Iommi, and like Tony Martin, I think just would have been his like one of various singers for the yeah. Tony Iommi band or whatever. That's my opinion, you know. So I don't really think of this as Black Sabbath, but regardless, I don't give a shit. That's just like a name. That's a label, you know. I just, uh, yeah, I love Tony Iommi. I love most of the music. Actually, I pretty much love everything he did, except for maybe from Forbidden on a little bit, I guess, is when he kind of dropped the ball. But he has a fucking good run. I got to tell you, from yeah. from the first Black Sabbath album to Dehumanizer, I, including Dehumanizer, I love everything this man has fucking recorded. Riffmaster. Yeah, and and also he's and I think his soloing, his riffs were amazing in the seventies. But then in the Dio era, I think his soloing went to a whole other level. Like you know, soloing like "Lonely Is the Word," and uh, to me, he like he took that shit to another level in the eighties. No, I, I I agree. I mean, I mean the whole music. He's that's you know one thing very underrated about Tony Iommi. I was cranking tear today actually. And listening to it, I'm like, this does not sound like any Black Sabbath album. It doesn't. Even no. the riffs. Even so, and I'll get on it when we go to certain songs. But even some riffs on this album, it doesn't sound like a homie riff, yet they're fucking amazing riffs. It's like, goddamn, how does this guy come up with riffs where it just doesn't sound like him, but yet it's still killer? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, this, this, this album, I mean, a lot of albums. You can't say... You know, Born Again sounds like Dio or Ozzy or, you know, Seven, seven Star up to Forbidden, I guess. You can put it in that category, but, but, uh, Tear, musically, it's very different than Headless Cross and Eternal Idols and Cross Purposes and Forbidden. It, it, to me, this album, it's like on its own island, you know. I just think it's more proto and it is proto, um, power metal. You know, there's a lot of power metal in this, but power metal wasn't around back then. You had Halloween, but Halloween didn't sound like this. You know? Yeah, it's also, I think it's also like uh, Viking metal. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder, do you think yeah. that, do you think there's any chance that the Tonys were listening to, like, Bathory? Because they were doing, he, like, the like you got, like, Bloodfire and, uh, what is it, Death? Yeah. And, and then uh, Hammerheart. Like, it's the same year as this, and they both have, you know, Bahala, a song called Bahala. Do you think that they, like, were biting a little bit, maybe, from the Thor? I mean, I know in the interview I did with Tony, Tony wanted to do, like, concept album after concept album. So, this album, he wrote it as a concept, lyric-wise. Because Tony Martin wrote all the lyrics on all the albums he did with Sabbath, with the exception of the Eternal Idols, because he wasn't in the band at the time. But he wanted to do like a Nordic type thing, a theme to this album. So if anybody, if you know, it'd be him that would listen to, you know, Bathory or something like that. But music wise, it doesn't sound like Bathory or, you know, uh, but the lyric, you know, the, the lyrics do, you know. It's yeah, funny it's, you mentioned that because uh, I heard too uh, that, you know, when Tony Martin first came into Sabbath, he was writing some like, Lyrically, he was writing stuff about, like, the devil or, like, you know, just real evil-sounding stuff. 
And I guess, uh, you know, and this just, you know, this is some shit from Wikipedia. I guess they're like, yo, tone it down a little bit with the satanic shit. You know, we don't just write about Satan, Satan, Satan. And that's, from what I heard, that's where he got the idea. Like, well, how about I write something about, like, Greek mythology or, you know, something like that. That always made me laugh because I was always like, like, Tony Iommi tells, you know, Tony tells Tony, hey, Kill. Be a little more subtle with the Satan shit, you know? <laughs> and, and then he comes back with him with fucking Norse gods. I'm sure, like, Tony Omi probably just rolled his eyes and was like, whatever, mate, let's just make a record. <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> it's, like the, it's, like they wa- it's like they watched This is Spinal Tap and got to the Stonehenge scene, but they took it fucking seriously. But like, this is actually uh, genius. See, Ralph, I always got the <laughs> sense of Tony Iommi so much didn't really care about the lyrics like he's just about the guitars and the melodies and the hooks yeah. and it's just like you, you guys just fucking sing whatever you guys gotta sing about yeah well you, you he, can, did, he did care about the lyrics during mob rules because he hated country girl oh they really teaser. they they both really upset about country girl well, <laughs> I, I, love that. I love that song but the lyrics are so weird they're hot <laughs> getting down for country girl it's like some yeah. sex scene in a folk horror movie i like it <laughs> yeah. uh the another thing about this album is fucking back to cozy palka and he co-produced it and you could tell because the drums are really loud mm-hmm. and uh you could always tell like when a certain musician produces or co-produces an album because that instrument's really loud <laughs> uh <laughs> but it's great i i gotta say i don't know is this sacrilege route in the Sabbath community, but I actually think Cozy Powell's better than Vinny Appleseed. Uh, he's my second oh, no, favorite. No, no, no. He, definitely, he definitely is better, but, you know, I mean, Vinny's no slouch, man. I just saw Vinny a week or two ago um, at this Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp thing, and he played Good Times, Bad Times. Holy fuck. Ooh. The guy's a monster. Oh, a- I mean, I love Vinny Appleseed. Don't get me wrong. He's he's easily, like, well, my third favorite, but yeah, Cozy's my second favorite. Sat if we're counting this as Sabbath, my you know obviously Bill Ward number one. Science, yeah. <laughs> I don't deny drummer ever. Yeah, I don't deny science. Bill Ward is one of my all-time favorite drummers. He's I love Bill. Easily in my top five. Well, in Sabbath, this is my top five favorite band. So of course, Bill Ward has to be in the top five. But Cozy, man, this guy. It, the more you listen to this album, and I was listening to it uh, with headphone uh, headphones on right before we did this. Man, it's fucking cozy doing some fucking sick shit on this. Oh, yeah. I'll, even yeah. more so than Headless Cross. He's really fucking throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's to me, man, I mean, Eternal Idols has always been my favorite Tony Martin era, but it switched, man. I think Tear is their best album with Tony Martin. Ooh. I think this album is just a fucking masterpiece. Well, guess what? Fist tap, because I same exact thing happened to me. I used to think of it as Eternal Idol, but now, yes, now I'm saying it. This is my favorite Tony Martin air Black Sabbath album. So, me and Ralph are on the same page. Uh, is it? Is this one thing though? Me and Eric talked about. Uh, I didn't. Is it, it is pronounced tear, not tire? Because I had no fucking. Yeah, idea. yeah. It's, it's pronounced tear, and here I am interviewing Tony Martin saying my favorite tire. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I thought it was like a tomato tomato thing. We, uh, then, then he said tear, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, same thing happened when I met Bobby Gustafson. Yeah, I, really. I, I called him Gustafson. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm from Philly, so I mispronounce shit all the time. (laughs) 
But it's like a it's a fucking Nordic word, you know. It's some god, it's some god, right? It's like the god of war, or yeah. honor, or some shit like that. There's some Lord band. of the Rings shit. <laughs> There's a band called here that's not bad. I saw them live. They're on a major label. I saw them, I think, with Ice Earth. They were good. Very cool. Well, let's let's jump into this yeah. actually, because here's something. I don't know if I pronounce it right. The first track, Anno Mundi. Am I pronouncing yeah. that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you are. I mean, I think I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong too. Who knows? It, it, it's a, you know, it's not important how you pronounce things. It's how you listen to things. Yep. So, Ralph, as our very, very special fucking guest, what do you think of the first track on Tear, Anno Mundi? At uh, one time, this was my favorite track. Like when I first bought the album. You know, I mean, uh, one thing I should say: when I first bought this album, I bought it along with Painkiller. You know, because they were both new. I don't think they were released on the same day, but that was... I think uh, Painkiller may have come out a week or two later, but I bought them both at the same time. I heard the song Painkiller, so of course I wanted to... I haven't heard anything from, you know, Tears, so... You know, I slap on Painkiller. You know, I love Painkiller. But then I put on Tear after that, and I heard this song. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, what the hell is this? So now I'll be I hear that majestic fucking chill voice. You know, and then it goes into, you know, yet another perfect riff from, you know, Master I Only. A riff that sounds nothing, like I said earlier, like what he's done in the past. You know, and, uh, but, you know, my time, uh, I, I still love, it's still my, you know, my second favorite. Uh, it has been replaced, but my love for this track has not changed at all. I mean, what an amazing song. Great old. You know, I don't know if it's a great opener. I think Lawmaker would have probably been better, you know, some more fast-paced, but still, you know, I mean, I think it does uh, f- fit the the album because, you know, this album really does re- represent well this first track because you hear the vibe of this song, and I think it's just an epic song. I absolutely love this song, and I was and I was so happy it was, it was in the set list when I saw the Cross Purposes tour. Yeah, I remember um, the first Tony Martin album I ever had was Cross Purposes. I actually bought that back in the day. That's actually, believe it or not, that was actually my first Black Sabbath album. How crazy! No way. That? Yeah, I had a mix like <laughs> tape that somebody I was in high school at the time uh, made for me, and so, but I di- so I didn't have so it was like the new album. It was that time where like MTV still kind of mattered, and you bought like whatever the new album was. So like I ran out and got it and. I was not crazy about that album, um, uh, so I didn't really dive much deeper. It was a couple years later that I went back and listened to like Real Sabbath and got into Sabbath. Yeah. But um, I do remember watching at that time period. There was like I think there was that video VHS of that live concert they did Cross Purposes live. Isn't that right, Ralph? Around that period, Ralph, you still there? Eric, you still there? I'm still here. Okay, maybe he, he went off the piss. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll finish this. Yeah, uh, go so, for it. So I, it's, I think that they do an Anno, a version of Anno Mundi on that uh, video. And so that was the first time I heard the song. And I liked it. It actually, I remember liking that song. So, But I didn't hear this album until like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years later, actually. Uh, and it was on YouTube, like you, Eric, that I listened to this for the first time. Mm-hmm. And... 
like rap, this was initially, I felt, the best song on the album. And like rap, I don't think that anymore. But it's a really great song. It's got that opening, which is a little like um, Children of the Sea. It's got a little of that vibe to it, you know? Very majestic. Yeah. Kind of and it kicks in. And man, I gotta say, from like the first Black Sabbath album to Dehumanizer, it's like who's... Like, Tony Iommi's obviously the greatest riff maker out there. And like Ralph was saying, it changes, like, depending on the era and who's the singer, his riff making changes a little bit, like the kind of riffs he makes. Yeah. But they're always choice. They're always there. No one can compete with him. I mean, even I love Malcolm Young. But Malcolm Young, like, even he had to split riff duties with Angus sometimes. You know, Angus yeah. came up with some of those riffs. And Tony was... There's no one else. It's just Tony, and he's just coming out up with riff after riff after riff. This guy, there's something just magical about it, and I, I do like. I actually think it worked. I liked how this album is sequenced. I think I like when a kind of more mid-tempo kind of rock song opens an album, and then the second song is like the mm. barn burp, you know, the the faster, more rocking song. It's like yeah. Hellbell goes into shoot to thrill kind of thing. I, I always like that myself, so and I think that works well on this album. I like how it starts off with the atmosphere and the cool driving riff of Anna Mundy, and then it kicks into the, the fucking fast, heavy song. I really yeah. like that. So, so what do you think of this opening track, Eric? Well, I kind of agree with you. When it comes to, like, if it's a live performance, I want to hear, like, a blistering kind of fast song. But on an album, it's a little bit different of a story where I do like kind of maybe something that starts off like mid-pace, kind of. Um, and this song's fucking great. It's probably my second favorite track off the album. It's really epic, and it definitely gives the tone for what they're trying to go for with this album. Uh, I love the beginning, too. It kind of sounds like Queen with those background vocals. Um, uh, that's where I get, I get a lot of Queen out of this, especially at the beginning. But like you said, man, Tony Iommi, man, it's like... This isn't like your typical Sabbath riff, but still an amazing riff. Like the only person I know that comes close to Tony is like maybe Wolf Hoffman, but even Wolf Hoffman can't touch Tony. This song's fucking great. What a great way to begin the fucking album. Very epic, and uh, I don't mean this at all as an insult because I love this album. Uh, the album I'm about to compare it to. Uh, this is kind of like I'd say this is Black Sabbath, like music from the Elder or something. You know, at the time, Ozzy Osbourne pretty much eclipsed Black Sabbath by now. You know, when Black Sabbath first got rid of Ozzy, it seemed like, you know, Ozzy was obviously doing really well. He had Blizzard of Oz, amazing album. But it seemed Sabbath was going to do really well because they released Heaven and Hell with Dio, which is really big. And uh, it seemed like they were going to kind of go on that back in black, like ACDC route. They were going to be just as successful without Ozzy, but just, I don't know, too many member changes and all that, just kind of, I think, vanquished them from the public eye, whereas Ozzy kind of just took over. And even at this point, I mean, Geezer Butler was in the band with Ozzy, so, I mean, Ozzy technically had more members of Sabbath than Sabbath itself. But, uh, so I think Sabbath was definitely trying to do different things. They are trying to do something different with this album. It's very conceptual. Um... It is. It's like their music from the Elder, kind of. They're really trying something completely different. Some songs work, some songs don't, but this is one of the ones where it works. They're trying something new, and I love it. 
And that's, uh, a, that's a really good point. I gotta say, I think with uh, if Theo had stayed with them, I think mm-hmm. Sabbath obviously like stuff like some of the material that's like on Holy Diver and stuff somehow maybe would have been like Sabbath songs. Yeah. Like, a little different somehow. And like and, I said, too many member changes too, you know, because yeah. Bill Ward, I don't even think Bill Ward toured for Heaven and Hell. Then you bring in Vinny Apathy and then Dio leaves, and it was just, I think Sabbath became too many revolving members, not consistent enough lineup, whereas yeah. Ozzy kind of was just, you know, he's Ozzy, he's consistent with just being him. I think that's what kind of hurt Sabbath too, was too many, a big revolving door of members. Yeah, totally. When you're going into the 80s, it did seem like they were going to be competitive, but by the time you get to this year, yeah, obviously Ozzy was the bigger deal, which is why Sharon didn't give a shit about the Black Sabbath name (laughs) back then. (laughs) Like, she would, like, ten years later suddenly care about it. Hey, Ralph, are you back? Yeah, I've been here all along. Oh, (laughs) nice. There was, like, a minute there. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about, let's ask Ralph what he thinks of the second track. The Lawmaker. Yeah, dude, this is a flawless, rip-roaring track, man. Every element is perfection. The vocal melodies, the drums, the riff changes, and that ape-shit guitar solo, Tony Prince's track. It's a badass track. And let me tell you, man, what I was saying earlier, I forgot to mention. Uh, I love Painkiller, man, but when I heard Tear afterwards, I listened to this one more than Painkiller. And I still, to this day, will say, this is a better album than Painkiller, man. I agree with you. I agree with you, too. And this song, yeah, this song is rip-roaring and very unexpected. I remember the first time hearing it. I was like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> Shit, this is like the fastest fucking Sabbath track since uh, Supernova, really. I mean, this is really, really rip-roaring, too, man. absolutely love it. Yeah, this song, it's bad fucking ass. It's my favorite song on the album. It kicks it. It just kicks ass. It's total fucking metal. It's fast. It's mean, but yet has melody and majesty to it. It's 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 amazing song. It's great. It's like rhythm wise, rhythmic wise, it's a little like Motorhead. It just charges ahead, mm-hmm. but yet it also reminds me of back like when Maiden kicked ass, like Power Slave, like you know, where yeah, yeah it's just like it's it's both melodic but really kicking ass at the same time. The guitar riffs, everything. Cozy Powell's drumming, and he does like he does some like double bass shit like towards the end. Like if you listen mm-hmm. on headphones, I like you know it's funny <laughs> on headphones. I didn't like like Jeff Nickel Nichols is that his name the keyboardist Jeff, Jeff Nichols. Nichols yep. Yeah, he does he does this like kind of um, uh, let's just say not the coolest kind of keyboard lines underneath this, but I never even noticed them. And then I'm listening to this in headphones, and it's like, oh, he's doing this kind of whimsical keyboard line underneath this during, like, the break... It's kind of a breakdown, like the middle... The bridge. It's the bridge of the song. But you know what? It somehow doesn't affect it. It just charges you forward. It's like an awesome montage in, like, in an action movie, mm-hmm. you know? Like the, like in a Rocky Four that kind of montage where you don't even mind the little synths in the background. A, yeah. they bear them enough that they don't, they're not too intrusive. And yet, it just charges you forward. It's like, even the little synths don't make this song not kick ass. <laughs> nice. What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, fucking best song on the album, in my opinion. I fucking love it. This is just good old traditional heavy metal. Um, kind of like almost pretty much borderline speed metal. 
Uh, it does have like kind of that you know may like Motorhead Raven kind of speed to it. I fucking love this song. Uh, and I guess Ralph, I mean, if you can confirm this, from what I hear, Tony Iommi had this riff like saved since like uh, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Like this is a riff he had saved since the '70s. Is that true? Uh, no. I, well, no, I don't know that. It, it, it could be true. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I know the shiny was a track he's had since yeah heaven and hell but no i'm not sure you could be right but i'm not sure about that yeah but man what a fucking what a killer fucking song and already this album's kicking ass you begin with like a really epic track and then you just really kick the audience's ass with uh lawmaker so far i'm loving the way this album starts and uh Edwin, uh, what do you think about the song Jerusalem? I know Mark Daly, one of our listeners, is really excited to hear our opinion on it. (laughs) Shout out to Mark Daly. Uh, Awesome fan. And yeah, and he wanted to know why I picked this album, but I already told him why. (laughs) uh, And this song, well, guess what, Mark? I love this fucking song. It's my second favorite song on the album. Bam, bam! My two favorite songs right in a row. It's so fucking catchy. It's it's heavy, it's catchy, it's kind of like what we were saying with, like, Dawkins in the last episode. Yeah, it's something that priests were really great at, where they had this sonic power, where they could be really heavy, but yet there's this pop sensibility, you know? Yep. There's melodies and hooks, and, and I love when that... And it takes a certain level of craftsmanship to really balance that, where you're both heavy and poppy at the same time and they totally nail it with this song you know i'll be honest i don't really give a shit about the lyrics it's just the sound of the song and and i think this could be tony martin's greatest vocal performance is this song i think this whole album is his best vocals and it's another reason why this is my favorite tony martin era album is tony is fucking killing it not just i mean the lyrics are cool and i do like the lyrics better on this album than the headless cross but his singing, this is his peak singing in my opinion. In all the different layers and harmonies, and you brought up a little like Eric, like it's like Queen, you could tell the influence. Like he's really yep. layering. There's a lot of Tony on this album. He's layering the vocals and and uh, I normally I'm not a big fan of the little woes type things going on. But I really <laughs> like them on this song. I think they're really catchy. I really like the woes. And it's it's an amazing song. It charges me up. I love it. What do you think about it, Ralph? Uh, there's no song in the Sabbath catalog that sounds like this. Uh, with this strong melodic chorus and, again, what I was saying earlier, it's like proto-power metal, you know? Again, I think Iomi invented that as well. You know, Halloween may have been the first playing power metal, but this does not sound like Halloween, you know? It, it sounds like, you know, bands like Hammerfall, later Blind Guardian, and Primal Fear have songs like Jerusalem not Halloween, and it's fucking amazing, it's a great, yeah, and you know, I'm not a fan of the walls either, but this one is like, you know, whoa, I love it, I love the way it's uh, added to the song, it brings this great, big, you know, triumphant, Viking metal type shit, it's fucking, it's an amazing track, I absolutely love the Jerusalem, great track. What do you think, Eric? Uh, well, I guess I'm going to be the asshole here. Um, not the biggest fan of Jerusalem. Uh, just like, there's too much keyboard in this song. 
Um, and the funny thing is, unlike you guys, I really like woes in songs. Like, you know, fuck, my favorite Kiss song of all time is Who Wants to Be Lonely. Damn, but, you uh, are an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here it does not work for me. That's like the one part of the song I just can't stand those woes. Um, I do enjoy the verses of the song, but man, once it comes into that chorus, it like reminds me of some shit off, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar or some shit, like, uh, Jerusalem, oh, Jesus Christ, like, it's like, god damn, shut up, you know, the you, verses you know, are... The you know your problem, Eric, is you're, you're only fucking 29 years old. You, you haven't climbed a mountain yet, like fucking Rocky and Rocky IV, when you're fucking in the bad side of 35, and you're climbing the mountain, and people are telling you you can't do it. Suddenly, those fucking woe-woes are your fucking lifeblood, my friend. When I'm 35, I when I'm 35, I'm gonna go to Russia and I'm gonna climb a mountain and be like, whoa! You'll suddenly get it. You'll be like, Drago! You'll fucking get it. And then and then you'll come back and listen to this episode and be so embarrassed. <laughs> I'm like, what was I thinking? This is bullshit. <laughs> but no, it's it's not a bad song. Um, like I said, I love the verses. Just the chorus doesn't do it for me. The chorus kind of ruins it for me. But I do love the verses, so it's not a bad song, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it could be better for me personally, but, uh, you know, what the fuck do I know? Uh, Ralph, why don't you take uh, the song The Sabbath Stones? Alright, uh, before I will say that, he re-recorded Jerusalem on his first uh, solo album, uh, Back Where I Belong, it's on there. Uh, anyway, alright, nice. next song is my favorite track off it, and I gotta say it's my overall favorite song from all the Tony Martin so, uh, uh, songs, uh, The Sabbath Stones. Wow. What an amazing build-up. You know, that just the way it starts and, you know, fire and water. You know, Iomi bringing those heavy-ass riffs, then tones it down with this amazing soft chords change. You know, are you kidding me? I mean, this song is just fucking phenomenal. You know, I, I, look, man. I'll say it now before anybody says what they think about this song. If anybody that does, anybody that doesn't like Sabbath Stones, you're a fucking narc. I mean, plain and simple, <laughs> you're a narc. Fucking if narc. If you do not like this song, I am not inviting you over when I have my friends over here and we're doing a massive amount of blow. This <laughs> should be cool. This will be overall my favorite song. From all Tony Martin songs, and my obviously my favorite on here, and uh, yeah, it's safe to say I really like this one. <laughs> well, it's not my favorite song. I don't love it as much as you, Ralph. But don't worry, I ain't Twenty One Jump Street here. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it though. It's a great song. So I mean, I love it. for you. <laughs> I the cereal boxes. <laughs> uh, this was a grower though. It was not initially when I first heard this song. It took me a couple listens. I was like, oh, this is fucking prog metal shit, you know. I'm not the biggest prog metal guy. I'll just say that right now. Um, But it grew on me, and that's the thing. You get deeper and deeper into this album. The more you listen to it, the more you get into its grooves, and there's something really kind of uh, spiritual and beautiful about this song, actually. And again, like we keep saying, I know it's just like 
total time Tony Iommi worship here, but the guy, the music and the guitarist and how the different shades and colors. It's like a a painter that has these different eras, you know, and it's all in one song. It's like if Picasso had his warm period and blue period and all those different fucking periods all in like six minutes and forty eight seconds. Like Tony's doing all these different shades, and it's a beautiful song it's very unique sounding and it comes and just when it needs that fucking man. voice on this song what he does on this it's, song is just fucking goddamn. it is and i was just listening just today i was listening to this and this is saying this is you know this is definitely tony martin's peak as a vocalist not to say that he's not still a great vocalist but man what he was doing on this album you could tell like you know the two tonys and cozy and Neil Murray, and I'll get into Neil Murray a little bit more when we get to some of the later tracks, but these four guys, they're fucking bringing their A-game on this album. You can tell that this is something they did with a lot of passion, and they're all just bringing it, and this song's great, and I love the way, like, it charges up and gets a little almost thrashy at the end, you know, it gets, yeah. like, kind of heavy at the end, I love it, and I even forgive them for doing, like, the Maiden football shit at the end a little bit. <laughs> Normally I don't like it's like woes I don't like made in football shit but <laughs> but it, it works it's like it charges you up at the end and it's like it's it's a fucking epic track I love it there's about four songs I love even more but still on this album that's you know no slouch I fucking love this song it's a and it's a great centerpiece that's the thing this is the song. It's like a stone. It holds it all together like a rock. It holds this album together. It's the centerpiece of the album, and I do love it. Uh, what do you think about it, Eric? Well, let me tell you something, Dr. Fuck. Uh, I'm going to be coming over to your place with the cereal boxes full of cocaine and true Black Sabbath style because I'm no fucking narc. This Woo! song fucking kicks ass. Yeah. I fucking love for this you song. As well. And man, uh, Black Sabbath, man, they really love to throw their name into songs. I mean, you got the Sabbath Stones, you got Black Sabbath, you got Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. They really love using their name in songs. Sabra Cadabra. Uh, yeah, that, that's my favorite Black Sabbath song, too. Uh, but man, this, I love this song. You know, the first half, you know, that doominess, it sounds like, man, that could have been something they did in the Ozzy era, you know, like, that could have been something off Master of Reality or something, if you had that old school production that they used to have, uh, I fucking love it, and then that tempo change at the end when it picks up and it speeds up, I love it, man, this song's epic, it's badass, and once that tempo change comes up at the end, it sounds kind of like a Dio song, this sounds like something that they would have done, like, on Heaven and Hell, too. So, uh, you know, and Dio gets a lot of comparison, or should I say Tony Martin gets a lot of comparison to Dio. He does have kind of like a Dio-like voice. So, I mean, this definitely could have been sung off Heaven and Hell, or even, too, the first half of the song could have been some Ozzy shit. I love this fucking song, fucking rules. Um, and I knew it was your favorite song, too, because I remember I was actually watching your video on Almost Human about this album, and uh, this is the song you used for the intro, and typically that's your favorite song off the album, is the one you use in the intro. So yeah, love this song. To riff a little bit on what you were saying, Eric, about Black Sabbath, and the question to Ralph, is Black Sabbath the first major band that name-checked themselves in a song? Do you know? Um, probably, I can't, uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, I think about like the Beatles don't have a song called the Beatles. You know, <laughs> that's actually uh, a good point. I don't yeah. think AR band really used their name for a song until really like Black Sabbath. I can't really think of one. Except yeah, I mean, for maybe Iron Butterfly, maybe because they, they have they a song called. Iron- I don't think they had a song called Iron Butterfly, but I think they had like theme from Iron Butterfly, so it's kind of close. Okay, that's kind of close. That's kind of close. So maybe Iron Butterfly, but yeah, they definitely perfected it. And yeah, you know, not only that, Eric. Uh, if you notice, this song is called "The Sabbath Stones," and then the last track is called "Heaven in Black." Yeah. And if you put the words "black" and "Sabbath" together, you get "Black Sabbath." Oh, oh shit! Holy <laughs> shit! It's like saying the name of a movie in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the clever guys, Black Sabbath. Yep. They know what they're doing. Okay, so uh, let's talk about. The Battle of Tear. Hey, while you guys talk about this, I'm going to use the bathroom real quick. You do what you got to do. So, Ralph, <laughs> what do you think of this instrumental, The Battle of Tear, which uh, isn't really a song? Yeah, it's not. It's it's basically an intro by the late, great Jeff Nichols. It's a good build-up, but for me, it's more of an intro to Odin's Court and Valhalla than a song. I would even say Odin's Court. It should all be one song, but, you know, I mean... People with their short attention spans don't like long songs. But uh, I think this should have just been called, or maybe a three-parter, The Battle of Tear slash Odin's Court slash Valhalla, or just Valhalla. Um, but yeah, it, it's a great, great um, you know, build-up. I think it, it really does set the mood of what's going to come. And uh, I dig it. I, you know, I have no, you know, but it's not a song to me. It's just part of the next two songs. Yeah, it's just an intro. It's kind of, it's funny because it's like an intro to an intro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one thing though. It carries over kind of like in the seventies. A lot of those Sabbath little interludes and intros, they would give them their own track name, and right. they weren't songs. I mean, come on. Obviously, FX is not a song. It's obviously um, the Africa intro to, to me. It's fucking children. It's the intro to children of the grave. Yeah, all that's it. I, I, I don't know. Is this true, Ralph? I read somewhere or heard somewhere that they did that because Warner Brothers wanted it to look like they had more tracks on the album. That they made them name those interludes and stuff. That that didn't come from the band. It was more like something that was pushed by the label. Do you know if that's true uh, or not? No, but it wouldn't surprise me because the way the record uh, industry works is that it doesn't even matter if you put a two-second song. It's going to be a song and you make more money. Of mm-hmm. songs, so if you split it up, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna make twice as much in whatever, uh, what is it, um, just songwriting and shit like that. Publishing. Publishing. Yeah, you'll make more money if you separate songs. There's, I forgot, I think it was uh, Scott Ian said that about SOD, or somebody said it about, oh, we split that because you get more money if you, instead of making it one song, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that that was true. Because, uh, and also, I mean, you think of, you know, those little interludes like in, in Master Reality. I mean, that album's short. Yeah. yeah. It's short. And I love short albums, though. Me and too. That's probably why, you know, I mean, Van Halen, you know, Black Sabbath has such a special, because they cut off the fat. They give you just the, the prime meat, you know, and, uh, it probably is because of uh, record companies saying, look, you know, probably they, probably Embryo was Children of the Grave and said, nah, nah, come on, man. I know it's short and all, but 
That's just, you know, because every time Black Sabbath plays Children of the Grave, they always play, always open with Embryo. And I think that was their intent. Their intent was, you know, and I think it's a great intent. I mean, that's my all-time favorite Sabbath song. And just the way it starts with that, dan, 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 you know, almost like, you know, yep. like yep. the little Stonehenge midgets running around. And then <laughs> a, a nuclear bomb blows them up with, with Children of the Grave, you know, it's like. Um, and I and I feel the same way about you know the Battle of Tear and Odin's Court and Valhalla. It's one song, man, but they just mm-hmm. put it in three ways. I love just for a record. I fucking love Embryo and Ralph. When you do a lot of your uh, track versus track videos, there's a lot of times like Embryo is beaten like full songs because I just love Embryo that much. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah. It's like what ten seconds, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's I so love epic. I love it too. Well, Master Reality is my second favorite Sabbath album after nice. Volume Four, and yeah, it's for, like you hear that for it's like it takes you back to like the fucking Middle Ages. You're like in the Middle Ages, and then you know, Children of the Grave comes in, and it's like post-apocalyptic, and it's like the two are combining. I mean, that's the thing that's so special about those early Ozzy Sabbath albums. Just to digress mm-hmm. for a second, is that they're both kind of ancient and modern, sa- futuristic sounding at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, and that's like you totally get that with Embryo going into Children of the Grave. I just, uh, it's amazing. I just, I get chills thinking about. It. And this isn't quite on that level, but it's still fucking awesome. I do love the the Battle of Tear. It's a, it's just, a, it's a, obviously it's not a song. It's just an intro, an intro to an intro. But it's cool. What do you think of this intro to an intro, Eric? Oh man, so. uh yeah, I, I agree. This is like, this really isn't a song. It's basically a, these next three songs are basically just all one piece. Um, I, it's okay, but this is definitely like, this is some Spinal Tap sounding shit, you know? This is like some music from the Elder shit. Like, uh, like I was talking about, this is like, I swear, Black Sabbath went into a movie theater to see Spinal Tap, and they took this shit seriously. They're like, Stonehenge. Everyone's laughing, but you know what? That's a pretty decent idea. And they went in and they recorded this. Uh, I just don't like the horns and the trumpets and shit. It's like some Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, it just makes me feel like a bunch of Dungeons and Dragon nerds are gonna sneak up behind me and like rape me, which won't be as bad because it's like getting raped by like a thousand one-inch penises. But <laughs> it, 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 it's still pretty traumatic, you know. It's not the size of the dick; it's just knowing it's there. But uh. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I would like if they kept it just acoustic guitar, kind of like maybe uh, Farewell to King style, like Rush, but I don't like those damn trumpets and shit. It's annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Ralph, do you remember, I forget offhand, I watched it a few years ago. What was that like TV movie in the early 80s with Tom Hanks? Where they were like playing Dungeon Dragons and they unleashed like real monsters. Do you remember that movie? No. Was Was that... Was a that movie with Wasp? Uh, Malice in it, the metal band. I think it's like called Mazes and Monsters or nah, Monsters. Yeah, I've never seen that. I've never yeah, seen that. Are, you, are you sure you're not talking about the that movie that Wasp was in, the Dungeon the Master Dungeon or something? Wait, I, I'm looking this up right now because I want to know. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> one fucking second, because I don't want people. While you're, on hey, while it. you're looking that up, uh, Ralph, did you get your tickets for Wasp and Armored Saint? Yeah. Nice. I'm I'm picking mine up because I'm getting a bonus for my job. I'm getting a pretty big bonus, so I'm me and my dad are gonna check it out at uh, Arcada. So I'm getting our tickets uh, 
uh, in February. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm like you though. I'm like I I love Wasp, but I'm mainly going to see Armored Saint because oh, I love Armored uh, Saint. I mean, this Wasp tour is very intriguing to me. I would love to see it, but yeah. I would drive to Orlando for it. But I, it's like yeah. right on. Now I get to see it because Armored Saint's going to go there and just. Wipe the floor with black. Yeah, I'm That'll the same way. I gotta, I gotta travel to Illinois for it, and uh, I wouldn't travel to Illinois just for Wasp. Like it's Armored Saints there, so I'm like, I need to see Armored Saints. So, and my dad's a big John Bush fan. He loves John Bush. Right. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna go see it together, man. I'm uh, hoping maybe Ian Wadley will come to that show, and like I can hang out with him too. You know, and we can just have a good old time. So I'm looking forward to. It. I'm intrigued. Though. I hope Blackie plays just you know the good shit. You know, I got my vaccine too already, so all ready to go see it. You know, cause it's in Illinois. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And and believe me, man, Armored Saint is is just gonna go out there and destroy. Oh, I agree. I man. saw them. I saw them destroy Queensrÿche so bad. Yeah, Queensrÿche with Todd, they're awesome and all. But oh, man, I agree. That night, that night they chose the worst setlist, and following Armored Saint with a shitty setlist. Because I saw Todd at the casino where it was, dude. They opened with Night Rider. When they played the Whisper, it was like a great setlist. Where here they did this weak ass setlist with, with with Armored Saint. Coming out playing Pager Chemical before. Yeah. I mean, they were hungry. They were there to prove a point, and they're going to be there to prove a point again. Because once Blackie comes out, man, anybody that has any brain cells is going to walk <laughs> out of that going, "Well, at least Armored Saint played and didn't yeah. lose tracks, you know." And, and they fucking kicked ass. Look, man, I knew a guy at the Queensrÿche show that told me afterwards. He's like, "Man, you're right. Armored Saint's awesome. I got to look into their shit." I mean, that, this is really good for them, man, because it's going to yeah, get I'm people happy interested in Armored Saint that, you know, only know can you deliver, you know? Yeah, and, I... Uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Did Queensryche really like, play Silent Lucidity? Oh. Yeah, they, they always play that. That's a fear. <laughs> I hate that fucking song. But, but, the, but the song, <laughs> I, the only thing they did that night was Queen of the Reich, really. I mean, yeah, they played your Empire and shit like that. But they didn't even do Walk in the Shadow. They didn't do nothing. Like oh, that. damn. All they did was, you know, they did some Minecraft. Yeah, they did Operation Minecraft. They mm -hmm. did some good tracks, but but most of it was just fucking, it was that's, just weak. That's weird, too, because I praise Todd LaTorre because he's been, like, he's brought out those songs, like the heavier songs that kind of Jeff Tate kind of steered away from because... I still believe. I think Jeff Tate's just not a metal guy. I don't think he's really into metal because once right. he got when he got full control of that band, like he really strayed away from metal. Well, Jeff Tate wasn't a metal guy when he did the EP. I mean, he wasn't mm -hmm. technically in the band when they did yeah. the right EP. He was part of another band, and he just did it, you know. Thinking, yeah, because I think and uh, then the EP took off, so he said, "Fuck that other band," but. Yeah, I, no, of course, Jeff Tate is not a metalhead. That's yeah. Absolutely. It seemed like he was more of like a, a, a new wave guy, kind of in a metal band. But although that kind of gave Queens like kind of a unique quality. But yeah, man, that voice, though, man. I yeah. Mean, oh, Jesus Christ! What he does on "Take Hold of the Flame," my God. Yeah, dude. When I, when you know I what I do? You know what I do sometimes? I go on YouTube, look at reactions of "Take Hold of the Flame" for people. Same. All of them. All of them have that same reaction when he hits that 
we are young, we are children of the light, that part. And yeah. it's like, what the fuck? I'm talking about vocal coaches and shit. They're like, what the hell? <laughs> and it's like, Jeff Tate to me was like, and Amazing. I, saw him, I saw him like, I don't know, four or five months ago. And he's still, I mean, he can't hit the highs, but that's expected. But his voice is still really, really good. He's improved a lot. He, like, because uh, he, he was struggling for a while, but, like, recently, like, he must have seen a vocal coach. Who's, like I said, like you said, he can't really, he's still, he's at an age where he can't hit certain notes, but he's improved vastly from, like, how he was, like, me a few years ago. He was amazing. When I saw him last time, I went, because it was Race Order, then Empire. I'm not a fan yep. of that. And I, oh, was same. I was going to leave after Rachel Order and ride down the street to see Dead Daisies because I love Glenn Hughes. But, dude, after he did Rachel Order, I was with Charlie and Danielle, and I looked at them. I go, dude, I'm not leaving. That was so good <laughs> that I'll stick around for Empire. Fuck it. That was good, dude. Well, I didn't know. So he did, he did all of Rage for Order. I didn't realize that that whole fucking album, man. Oh, that's amazing. I love that album. That's great. Oh, yeah, dude. And I love it, too. Good. He did that so good. You know, I mean, there's not basically a lot of really, really high singing on that album. So he pretty much nailed it live. It was, man, I'm telling you, man, I highly recommend to see. I mean, I wasn't going to go. You know, Charlie's like, uh, offered me a ticket. I said, fuck it. You know, and I love Ray Short. It's my favorite Queen mm-hmm. album. Oh, I'll Same. Go that. But man, I, it was way better than I expected. Well, well, that digression aside, let me take us back one step to another digression. Uh, <laughs> the movie is called, I was right, uh, Mazes and Monsters. Never it's, heard of it. It's I fun never to heard of that. Okay, I recommend it to you too and to anyone listening. It's this crazy TV movie. You know where they made these like really dark TV movies in like yeah. the 70s and early 80s that you watch now and you go like, that's kind of fucked up that that was on TV? Uh, <laughs> It's it's a movie about. I think they made it to kind of discourage kids from playing Dungeons and Dragons and getting too weird. Uh, uh, it's about these kids, although they're not really kids. They're like in their twenties in college. It's Tom Hanks um, in the early eighties, and they're playing this kind of this game called Mazes and Monsters. And Tom Hanks's character gets obsessed with the game, and he starts like seeing monsters and stuff, and gets weird. And and it I, for whatever reason. That reminds me of this section of the album, <laughs> and it's it's a cool movie. You should check it out. But the battle tier, obviously, going into Odin's court. I will say, Eric, you mentioned that this is like kind of like um, um, you know, music from the elder. Yeah. And I'll just say here, I am a fan. I am on Ralph's side of the elder debate. I am not. Same. With all respect to Ian Wadley, I do <laughs> not oh, share. Fuck, <laughs> I, I get it. Listen, yes, Music from the Elder is an absurd album, and it's silly, and it's very yes. Black Sabbath. I mean, very not Black Sabbath. Um, <laughs> it's very Spinal Tap. It's very. It could be the most Spinal Tap album album ever recorded. You know, but it, the songs are really good for the most part, and I love the production. I actually think it's. I like it better than Destroyer. I think it's a better album, Destroyer. Nice. I, I really like Elder a, a lot, and I love the songs, and I love the sound of the album. Now, it does start off, though, with, like, Just a Boy. Like, I'm not so crazy about that shit. <laughs> and I bring it up because I feel like Odin's Court, Odin's Court is, like, a good version of About a Boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like About a Boy is makes a laugh, and it's silly, and the album doesn't pick up until after that song, in my opinion. But this album, 
uh, A, they put it where it should be. Like, if Odin's Court opened this album, it would be a disaster. It'd be horrible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but where it's at, it's like, okay, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to get into this geeky Norse god mythology shit. Okay, you won me over. You gave me, like, the Lawmaker and, like, the, the Sabbath Stones, so... I'll take this shit now. And you take it, and it's cool, and it's, and, and what it's setting up, we'll get to when, you know, we get to that song. But, it's a really good song. I love the, the almost kind of jazzy melodies that Tony's playing on the acoustic guitar. It has an atmosphere to it. To me, it's like, about a boy done right. You know, plus awesome, minus suck. And, I really, uh, like the song. It's a great second intro to the next song. What do you think of it, Ralph? Oh, I love this song. You know, again, you know, it's, it's just, I feel weird talking about, you know, a section of a song, but that's why, that's how they set it up. But, you know, it sets the mood with those amazing vocals to Tony's acoustic playing. But man, I mean, you know, if anything, man, it should be one song, man. But, you know, make it one long, long ass song and fuck all those short attention span fucks out there that get pissed off at long songs. You know, if the, if the song is good, my fa- my favorite song of all time, Stargazer, that's a long-ass song. Hell yeah. And I love Ten Years Gone from Zeppelin. I love a lot of long songs, you know. I have no problem with long songs as long as it's good. And this, yep. to me, is a long-ass song, and this is a section of it that really does set the mood to what's about to, like, slap you over the head with the next song. I love it. Nice. So, what do you say, Eric, about Odin's Court? Man, uh, again, I'm going to be the asshole here, but, man, I'd rather listen to Peter Brady singing Just a Boy from Music from the Elder. I don't know, man. It just doesn't do anything for me. And I love Tony uh, Tony Iommi's acoustic playing, but, uh, man, I'd I'd rather listen to fucking Little Gypsy by Odin than listen to Odin's Court. Uh, Just, uh, I can't get into this, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, like I said, man, ever since losing Ozzy, it seemed like uh, Sabbath was made trans and different things, especially with this album. And like I said, some songs on this album, they like try something new and it, it grabs me and I love it. But this is one where it misses the mark with me. I just, I don't really care for it. Maybe if it was just like, like trimmed down. And just add as like a little intro to Valhalla. Maybe I like it a little bit more, but not a fan, man. Just doesn't do it for me. Well, what do you think, Eric, of the song it goes into, Valhalla? Now, this is the total fucking opposite. This is more like it. This is just good old traditional heavy fucking metal. I'll tell you what, man. If you name a heavy metal song Valhalla, you're, you can't go wrong. It's just fucking badass. Um, you know, like I said, all the bullshit beforehand, like the Odin's Court and all that, and the getting the balladeer, or as I call it, getting raped by Dungeons and Dragons nerds. Uh, you cut all that out, man. You just put Valhalla on here. It fucking rules, man. Love this damn song. You know, it's you know, cut out all that extra bullshit. It's like a 20 minute porno where like only like the final four minutes are like the part you really need to see. You know too long just play valhalla that's all you fucking need man uh you see the thing is uh, eric i'm the kind of guy that likes a little build-up like yeah i will actually watch (laughs) a porn and i want to see a little bit of the story 
I want to see a little bit of the intrigue. I want to know <laughs> what it is about these two people that it's so dirty that they're getting together. Like, why they shouldn't, you know? <laughs> and, fair enough, and fair I, enough. I like it. It gets me off more. You know, call me a sissy, but I like to be wine-dined a, a little bit. Just for the and, record, that goes to show Edwin. He watches them 20-minute pornos. That's like, I that's like the lonesome dove of por- online I, porn. I want to see the fucking Heaven's Gate of fucking porn. I want to see that shit. I, I like some build-up. I want to know, oh shit, this guy should not be fucking this woman. But God damn it, when they do, when they finally do, oh man. But And that's that's like this song. Man, this is the thing. Valhalla is so awesome. But Odin's court, like, sets it up. It's like, when it comes in, it's like, BAM! It's like I, the fucking world is fucking dropped on your balls. It's well, fucking like said, so head-sounding because of Odin's court. Like I said, I love it. They maybe, like, you know, they took Odin's court, but took out the vocals and just trimmed it to, like, maybe it's like an acoustic intro, and then, boom, just kick right into Valhalla. Just a little bit of foreplay. Maybe we'll rub zippers a little bit, you know, but... You know, none of this for none of this extremely long foreplay. Let's just bam right into it. But I'm Mr. Three I, Pumps, and you're I'm done. Who cares if the chick's satisfied? You I know, get let's it. get into it. Let's have some fun. You know, you want just a little like, hey, you spilled some coffee on me. Let's fuck. You want yeah, just a little exactly, something. exactly. Yeah, I got <laughs> it. I got it. All right, well that's fair enough, and that's a little like how Sabbath did it. You know, a little yeah. acoustic thing, and then go into it. Well, but man, this song is fucking banging Valhalla it's my third favorite song on the album it's so heavy this is like one of the heaviest things Sabbath if you want to call it Sabbath ever did it's badass everything's working on this song the vocals the guitar the drumming Scott uh, it's just so bad at, you just listen to this how could you how could you love metal and not love this song exactly it's, you know it's just so badass it charges me off it makes me want to punch things in a good way I fucking love this song what do you think of this song Ralph yeah I mean it's the crescendo of the past two tracks you know Tony Martin to me is like Holy shit, man. To me, he's like the VIP on this track. You know, it's not easy to do when you have Cozy and Iomi killing it on this track. And uh, I love it, man. And and I was, you know, oddly enough, I never played Dungeons and Dragons. I never was interested in it. But yet, I do have a one-inch dick. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So that probably explains why I like the Battle of Tear and Odin's Court. (laughs) I'm not proud of it. It was my what? grandmother was Chinese, man. I can't help it. As long as you come in strong at the end. Just exactly. Like no, I can't even do that, man. That's why I'm saying. <laughs> hey, I, I played Dungeons & Dragons with my friends. We'd do, like, blow and, like, do, uh, play Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so I'm about, like, two inches, you know. So I got that, you know, we, we were kind of cool about it. So I got that one extra inch, but still not enough. Well, I got. I am Italian American, so I'm not gonna lie. I, I am on the large side. Oh, fuck <laughs> you! <laughs> I, am, I am on the large size here. But I will say this: if you have a small dick, it's not a problem. Just treat women badly, and they'll still come back. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so speaking of which, this leads us into the next song. Feels good to me. Which I'm gonna take this song. I'm gonna take. Go off on this song. Okay, so this is, <laughs> some people might call this a power ballot. Uh, 
I don't. I don't consider this a power ballot. I think they might have thought it might be a power ballot. Obviously, they wrote this song to be successful, and they thought it might be a hit. Uh, but I think they kind of failed at it. But where they failed, they succeeded. Because where they failed is Tony Naomi and, and company gave this song so much soul and emotion and feeling that they created what I would call more of a soul song, kind of a Sabbath soul song. And they didn't realize that they that the, the MTV girls just want some gloss, glossy shit with some pretty boy singing, that they don't really care about really feeling something. Whereas Sabbath actually wrote this really beautiful kind of soul song. And I love this. You might think it's you know, weak that I love this song, but I do love it. Uh, yeah, it sticks out like a sore thumb. I don't know if it really belongs on this album, but I don't know. I feel it kind of belongs in a way. It's kind of like when the gods are making love to the ladies. You know, they do it to this song. <laughs> you know? And it it's it has actually my favorite guitar solo, actually, on this album. I love Tony Iommi's guitar solo on this. It's jazzy and soulful, and this it has a little edge to it. It's It's amazing. I don't think this is the kind of song that Tony Martin is like designed to sing. Like you listen to this and you go, "Wow, what if like Glenn Hughes was singing this song? Like Glenn Hughes would kill it." But Tony Martin, to his credit, he he does. You know, he, it's it's good enough. It works. You know, even though it's not really the kind of song he normally would sing, but he 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 delivers what he needs to deliver on the song. I love the guitar work. It shows you the diversity of Tony Iommi also makes me think of like shit like Air Dance and stuff in the late 70s where you could see that Tony Iommi he's like Jimmy Page he's not just one trick pony even though he might be most famous like Jimmy Page he's like most famous for the like the hard rock and riffs but he has this um, dexterity and nuance to his playing that he can do jazzy shit he can do soulful shit he can do other stuff you know and to me, I listen to this and I just, just man, I just love the guitar work. I love the feeling of it. It's, it's almost like a White Snake song, but like a good White Snake song. I love Feels Good to Me. So, what do you think of this song, Ralph? Um, it, it, it is my least favorite on here, but I do dig it. Um, really, my favorite part is what I only does in the beginning that was edited off that stupid ass video. You know, it's like, what the fuck? That video is like, all right, these guys don't look good, so let's get some hunky guy and some hot chick in a, a storyline. You know, it's just, I mean, it's so obvious. You got to get some good-looking people on this video because this ain't going to sell. Um, you, ever, you ever see the TV show, Ralph, uh, Silk Stockings? No, uh, no, sil no. No, Silk Stockings, that's what it was. It was, it reminds me of Silk Stalkings, that video. It was like, they were like a cop and girl, it was like a guy and girl cop. I think it was like on the USA Network or something in the 90s, and they were trying to solve erotic crimes. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's like, we had a period where there was a lot of erotic thrillers, there was like Basic Instinct, Jade, shit like that. So it was a TV show like that. And this video reminds me of that. TV show for some reason. It just reminds me of that TV show. Yeah, they probably put clips of that show in this video. It's just stupid. <laughs> and, and, and it really does piss me off that this was the single. Because, you know, people hear this and they're going to ignore the album because the same thing, look, when I bought We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll back in 78 or something, 
mm-hmm. and I heard Am I Going Insane Radio, I was like, oh, oh I, ain't, I ain't gonna rush to get sabotaged. Yeah. yeah. It that wasn't was until mistake. I heard Symptom of the Universe on Speak of the Devil, I was like, oh shit, I need to get sabotaged now. <laughs> then I realized this, uh, this song does not represent fucking sabotage and this song does not represent here true um uh and you know i think uh law lawmaker you know sabbath stones would have been a better shit man fucking battle of tear would have been better there's a lot of one inch dick fucking <laughs> dragons fans out there probably would have brought what intimidated people into buying the album like oh shit get those one inch dicks away from me i'll buy the album yeah <laughs> but um it is a good song, though. I do like the song. I don't think it's appropriate for this album. I don't think it's a represent a good representation of the album. I dig the song, though. I can't say I don't like it, but it is my least favorite, and it was a major ball drop. Uh, wh- whoever the fuck came up with the idea to release this <laughs> as the single, man, they would have released Lawmaker. People would have been. It would have been a whole different story, you know. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Even though I do love the song, I agree it should not have, especially the lead-off single. I mean, maybe yeah. if they wanted to release it like as a third video or something. Just yeah. at the time, that was the thing. You released yeah. like a hard rocker as your first single, and then you released the ballad as the second single. So yeah. it would have worked if they did it that way. Yeah, even fucking Wart wouldn't lead off of a ballad. Like no one fucking leads off of a ballad. Like you just <laughs> don't do that, guys. Don't you know? Uh, yeah, so they, they, it was a major ball drop, and it's kind of like even what we were saying about Doc and Back for the Attack with Burning mm-hmm. Like a Flame. Yeah. Like, it doesn't represent the album. Like, and this obviously does not represent the album, so yeah, it was, it was stupid for them to lead off with this. But, you know, I still love it anyway, but I agree, I totally agree with what Ralph says. And what do you think of this, about the song, Eric? Man, uh, nothing about this song feels good. Uh, this song to me feels like, uh, that, the hand job that you got from that fat redheaded girl that you dated in high school, where she, like, used no lube, and she's, like, she's going, like, side to side, and, like, vertical, like, all these directions that are not up and down, basically, basically makes you feel like you're gonna lose your skin on your dick, like, uh, let me tell you something, I was never circumcised as a baby, but I was circumcised at 17 from a shitty hand job from a red, fat, red-headed girl in high school while listening to this fucking song. Holy shit, this song is just bad. It was just a bad move putting this as the lead-off single. Uh, just, my God, you know. Maybe as the second single it will work, uh, but no, just, this is a horrible representation of the album. This is the reason Ozzy Osbourne was kicking Black Sabbath's ass because of this song. You know, um, and it's funny too is uh, the band has denied that, like, oh, we didn't put this on here for co- for a radio single or commercial success. And man, I call bullshit on that because this song sticks out like a sore thumb. It does not fit in with like the whole Greek mythology like conceptual album that they're going for. This it sticks out like a sore thumb. And to that redheaded uh, chick that I was dating in high school. Uh, Thank you for the free circumcision, uh, but goddamn, work on your technique. Use some lube. Ouch. <laughs> oh, sounds good to me. Uh, maybe because I'm in my 40s. I'll take a fat redhead that... <laughs> oh, well, statistically, Eric, 
uh, got the minority because fat chicks, man, know how to do it. Yeah, they, 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 they put in the passion. <laughs> well, it, it was the fat chick in high school. That's why she was probably still still that little bit of inexperience. Still that little bit of inexperience in there. Yeah, you get her five years later, I bet you she'd fucking yeah. make your fucking eyes roll back in your head. Yeah, she'd make your soul leave your fucking body through your dick. <laughs> I bet she'd suck a golf ball through a garden hose. <laughs> but hey, I, I got a free circumcision out of it, so it wasn't it wasn't all bad, you know. I don't got that Lars Ulrich looking dick. You're part of the tribe now, man. <laughs> make some money. Okay, the last song. Heaven in Black. So what do you think of this song, Ralph? Uh, the song is awesome, man. The Dark Horse on an album full of Dark Horses. What a groove to the verse on this song. All members are on point. Cozy using that cymbal. It's such a great addition what he does, man. He would just hit that little cymbal, that ding, 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 you know, throughout the whole fucking song. I bet his fucking hand hurt uh, after fucking finishing this song. This song rules. It was a great ending to a great album. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. It's uh, I would say it's one of my favorite tracks, but it's like right there, like in the middle there. It's a solid track that sends the album off, you know, in a heavy, awesome way. It's got groove too. This is where I want to bring up uh, Neil Murray. I gotta say, like he, he's kind of like the fourth element here that no one's gonna think about so much, but. If you listen to some of his bass work he does, and of course he played in Whitesnake, he's got this groove there. He adds this like soulful element to even a heavier track like this. And there's that like breakdown, uh, I wouldn't say breakdown, like it's kind of a bridge again, like in Valhalla, where he's doing like, listen to the bass work, he's like really working that fretboard, man. He's doing some really cool shit. And so, you know, word up to Neil Murray, he's got a groove here, Heaven in Black. I love it. It's like heavy, but there's again like a lot of this album. Like to me, there's there's a soul element. It's very you know it's beneath the surface, but it's there and it's something because like I said, I'm not a big prog metal guy for the most part, and I'm not a big power metal guy, but it's these musicians playing this kind of music. They add a soulful element in a, you know to it that just gives it it gives it a swagger and swerve like to it where it just works and so I love Heaven in Black it's a great way to end the album it's kind of a you know you got Sabbath Stones on one side and then Heaven in Black on the other side so I do think they're kind of referencing their name and it's awesome so what do you think of Heaven in Black Eric? I fucking uh, I love the song it's a good song um, I do feel like it's missing something like there's still something that's missing in this song that like doesn't make it perfect but still a solid song and a great way to end the album. You know, this is an album that, you know, it, it gets a lot of hate and I don't understand why because it's a pretty solid album. Yeah, they got some crappy songs on there that, you know, I'm not a fan of, but there's not enough like, you know, there, there's too many good songs on it that balance it out and make it a really solid album. You know, it doesn't have enough bad songs on it to make it a shitty album. Not a perfect album, but it's pretty good. I love the song. Good way to close the album out. Um, I love it, man. That's all I can really say. Great. And you know, for a concept album, another thing I like about this album is this album is pretty short. It's only 39 minutes and 16 seconds. And I think that adds something to it. It like, gets in and out of Dodge really quick. It's 
you know, it's just, you, you, oh, it leaves you wanting more. Like, hey, I could almost listen to, the, like, Tear Part 2 if they did it, you know? It'd be better than Forbidden. It's, you know, so I think that's the thing, too, about this album. I mean, how many concept albums clock in, you know, less than 40 minutes? Not many. And, yep. yeah, so this is perfect. Uh, Rob, one thing, you know uh, the story about how Cozy Pal, like, was supposedly going to be the drummer on Dehumanizer? But... Like he hurt his arm or something happened? Like yeah, it was, a, it was a horse riding accident. Oh, really? He fell off the horse? He fell off a horse or something. And, and But then, you know, I heard conflicts where he wasn't getting along with Dio at the time, so I don't know. Yeah, but it always it, seemed it, like it you would think they arm. would want the Mob Rules, like, lineup, like, so maybe people were pushing that, but it's not like someone pushed him off a horse or something, you know? No, it, it was... It was uh, that's, I remember reading that back when it, you know, the album was coming out that, you know, Cozy couldn't do it because he got injured on, you know, riding a horse. Yeah, and then he died a few years later. Uh, R, yeah. What yeah. year did he die? Because I know it was like, uh, I think it was really close to like before or after I was born. I know he died in a car accident. Is it 98, I think? Yeah, it's not, that sounds about right. It was a late night. Okay. So yeah, I was like, like probably in like kindergarten when he died. Yeah, one thing about Cozy Pal, it's interesting because uh, Neil Murray's also on this album. I don't know if you ever watched my David Coverdale two-part video, Ralph. I did it <laughs> two-part. No, I haven't gotten to that one yet. That, that's a video you would only do during a pandemic lockdown. <laughs> but I had a lot of time on my hands, so I did like every David Coverdale like album that he ever sang on, from Burn to the, like the last Whitesnake album. Nice. Uh, and so I had a section where I talked about, I said, like, all roads lead to Cozy Pal, <laughs> because there's this interesting thing that at some point, every, like, British musician in, like, rock, hard rock or heavy metal band, there's a very good chance uh, throughout, like, the uh, 70s and 80s that if you were either in Deep Purple or Black Sabbath, at some point, you played with each other. <laughs> like, yep. It just happens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and eventually Cozy Powell will be in one of those bands too. <laughs> that like that just seems to be the equation. It's amazing Cozy never played with Abe because Abe had so many people that were in Deep Purple and Rainbow. He had a lot of people that were connected with Richie Blackmore. Because I know that's I mean that's obviously who Abe molded his style after was Richie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he he denies it. I want to get off <laughs> topic because today. Man, I laughed so hard, man. And I don't even remember. You know, I, I, I guess I won't re- recommend it to everybody, but I have to recommend it to myself because I have such a bad memory. And today, well, yesterday and today, I read the Rudy Sarzo book, Off the Rails. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dude, there's a part in that book I don't remember. It was so funny that when Def Leppard joined the Ozzy Osbourne tour that I saw, um... Randy Rhodes went up to Pete Willis and he said, Hi, I'm Randy. And Pete Willis said, Get the fuck away from me. And the reason Pete Willis said that, because in England, Randy means horny. <laughs> Is that a oh, wow. That's fucked up. <laughs> Hi, I'm Randy. Get the fuck away. It's like, you know, somebody coming up to you here going, Hi, I'm horny. <laughs> I just thought that was so fuck. I thought That's it was nice. like, I don't remember reading this the first time around. <laughs> That's, I, yeah, I never heard that story before. Yeah, yeah either. It's a book. It's in the Rudy Sarzo book. 
I could really. I was, Pete Wells is my. He's my favorite part of uh, Black Sabbath. Oh, of course. Uh, of yeah. Def Leppard. Yeah, Def Leppard was so awesome when he was in the band. Yep. When he left, that band changed like forever. They became like a Bon Jovi clone when he left. Yeah, he. You know, he co-wrote uh, Photograph. I love. Yeah, he was Pyromania. all over Pyromania. Yeah, his I riffs are still that. there. Yeah, and to me, yeah, that those first three Def Leppard albums are amazing records and you know once he left the band uh, they just totally went down the tubes but it's a great story uh, so uh, and what's that book again that you're reading it's called Rap- Off the Rails Rudy Sarza released a book called Off the Rails many years ago I'm sure you can still get it mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah it's in that that book is great because unlike Nikki Six, this guy was writing a diary while he was out on the road with Ozzy even before Ozzy and afterwards. So a lot of that shit is from his book, I mean, from his diary, of what he remembered at the time. He's not taking any fake heroin. Exactly, where Nick yeah. is writing his diary on heroin. You know. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Fuck the guy. And, and Ralph, just for the one or two listeners that are listening to this that don't know who Ralph Vieira is, uh, <laughs> but Ralph, actually, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you actually see Ozzy with Randy Rhodes? Yeah, yeah, and that Leppard open. Yeah, I, saw, I was wow. front row, man. I was front row in front of Pete Willis and Randy Rhodes all night, man. And that talk about a mind blowing show. And that girl Cheryl, that girl Cheryl that took your virginity, <laughs> took yep. you to it. If you if you want to hear a really great story about Mr. Dr. Fuck here, uh, go listen to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast episode, The Invasion of Your Privacy by Rat Review. There's a great story segment at the end of the episode that you need to hear. It's an amazing story. One of the most craziest stories you'll ever hear. I think, that's, I think that's probably like the most listened to episode by me because I just that story just always leaves me like in tears. It's, it's like laughing. It's an amazing story, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And it's yep. all 100% truth. There's no Nikki Six in that story. I mean, that shit <laughs> really fucking happened. Nice. Yes, and I went to see Ozzy and Jeff Leppard because she was technically my sugar mom. Yeah. You know, I was 13, she was 36, and she was <laughs> fucking. And and you know, I mean, you know, uh, she she if she ever heard this episode, she might be like what 93 now. <laughs> um, she'd be listening, going, "What the fuck? What do you mean one inch dick?" You know, I say that, you know. Just, <laughs> Just so I can shock the ladies. <laughs> I thought well, it was when, pretty sick. Well, when you were 13, though, it was probably more like, you know, the ratio was probably closer to the rest of your body. Yeah, 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 it's smaller now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, God bless that old lady, wherever the fuck. If she, let me tell you something. If ever I found Cheryl, you know, Cheryl looked a lot like, oh, fuck. What's, the, what's that chick in uh, Brady Bunch? Marsha. She looked like Marsha, dude. She really yeah. Mm. And she looked great for her age. And and I'm a 13-year-old kid. And I wasn't into sex. I mean, the first time I ever came was with her. I never jacked off before. And then I came and I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I didn't see that over and over again. And yeah. Then it's her your, husband found out and it was all over. It's your special purpose. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> Good times, good times, you know. Hell yeah. 
the first Maiden album. She bought me a lot of shit that I still own. Very sentimental. It's, so it's, it's like you and uh, Paul Stanley of Kiss <laughs> have a similar story in how it's, you lost your virginity. Well, hey, wait, wait, Edwin, it wasn't his sister that he was... He I'm was, not counting his sister. I mean who Paul Stanley says is his first time. Why? <laughs> so, so, I guess it's his the first time. If some older woman that like talk, that's who he says the song "Sure Know Something" is about. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the book, but I don't remember that part. See, that's why I got to keep reading books over because I forget shit. <laughs> yeah, "Sure Know Something" is apparently, which is a fucking awesome song. I love that song. Yeah, uh, I agree. Apparently, that song is about this older woman that, like, you know, taught him like how to be a man and like, you know, fucked him the first time. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, or an older man. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, I should, ooh, I should know something. <laughs> well, believe me, dude, after after that, you know, that shit fell apart with me and Cheryl, I was fucking shits my age back then, and they were, their, their head spin. They're like, oh, <laughs> I, got, I got really good teaching from her, man. Yeah. And, uh, then when I started fucking shits my age, they were like, God, because the shit with her lasted three years, you know? Yeah. Wow. You Long You're fucking time. like a and then, man. And then Not after that, I always try to get an older woman after that. I would hit on older chicks at parties and they'd be like tapping my head. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> I like, fuck that. I want to fuck an older chick. Now that I'm my age, I don't want to fuck older chicks anymore. But <laughs> I don't mind fucking yeah. I was kind of bad. I, I'll admit it. Like, like four or five years ago, I was banging a bunch of young chicks. Which I, you know, now retrospect, I'm not very proud of that because, you know, now, man, I love MILFs. I love chicks my age, not much older, but my age or a couple years younger. I'm not into young chicks anymore. I love them old bitches. Well, when you, well, when you and Bill Wang were on that episode, when this show was called The Mel Dungeon, uh, you recommended some uh, MILF porn. I, yeah. I forget the name of it, but yeah, you're like, you're all into that shit. I was like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, male porn was the shit, is the shit, man. And, and uh, yeah, I still, I, you know, but, man, I haven't been watching porn lately. I've been, I've been really weird lately with my, see, okay, and she ain't listening. I'm sure she's not. <laughs> there, there, there's a girl that, you know, she's an infomaniac uh-huh. that, that lives in Philadelphia, and she, you know, likes to come down here and, you know, do shit, and I do all everything with her. And I've been, like, avoiding her lately because I don't know, dude. I don't know if it's the pandemic or what the fuck. But I don't have... I'm not I'm not that much of a sexual deviant anymore. I Hopefully it'll pass, you know. But <laughs> but I'm not... I'm not... I'm not this fucking horny fuck I was, like, you know, like, six, eight months ago. I've just really <laughs> changed lately that I even told her, look, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this, but I'm not I'm really horny anymore, you know? Hey, but this we- isn't... This isn't that redheaded girl, is it? No, no, I get horny. Uh, yeah, she moved to Georgia. I still talk to her, uh, but she had to move back to Georgia. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. And that that girl, man, is the greatest, greatest sex I ever had in my life. I mean, that girl was just—I mean, she's beautiful and hot, but what she does sexually, holy fuck! <laughs> that girl. I mean, that girl will do anything, anything, and. Uh, yeah, I miss her, but, you know, I'm telling you, it's like, I think only her would get me out of this funk, really, to tell you I mean, because she was just, my God, those blowjobs. And, you know, she'd bring friends over to my house. 
She wow. was the best. Nice. Yeah, man. I had three songs with her. She was just too fucking cool. Bring out the video camera that she's always singing. <laughs> Bring out the video camera. I'm fucking nice. furry of her. Of that shit, man. I mean, if I if I, if I was a dying, somebody got a hold of them and put them up online, she'd be fucking ultra famous. But <laughs> the thing is, you know my DVDs, my porn DVDs? You need uh-huh. a password to watch them. <laughs> It'd be funny if the password's just like Dr. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> All lowercase. <laughs> but yeah, I miss Cheryl and I miss Bella, you know what I mean? But, well, yeah. But you're in a funk right now. Well, yeah, you'll probably get out of it. Bella was awesome, man. Bella was like, look, I fuck other people and you could too. I was like, yeah, that's what I like. I like that. I don't want no commitment. Go out there and fuck wherever you want. And plus, you go out there and fuck people, you get a little more practice, come back to me and give me a little more of that freaky dicky. Hey, that's your fancy. Hey, that's your fancy, man. You want to like watch her get plowed by like a girl get plowed by like five fucking dudes? Yeah, no, no, globe trotters and fucking twenty five be more like it. <laughs> you know, I, I want. I'll, I'll marry a girl that'll fuck twenty five guys in front of me while I sit in the corner with a Nixon mask on, checking <laughs> off. I'm uh, not normal. That's a message right now to the entire Harlem Globetrotters roster. If oh. you are willing to take this on, Doctor Fuck. You know, we'll be very happy. Just provide him with a Nixon mask. Yeah. God bless. I'm God bless America. <laughs> I'm so much of a freak. I'd want the Harlem Globetrotters and Dungeon and Dragon kids all banging. Ooh, ten yeah. inches and one inches. Yeah, man. Do you want like a uh, ABBA playing in the background while this happens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. I think we just created a new subgenre of form. Yep, we just did. <laughs> and, yet, and yet I'm not horny anymore. Go figure. So <laughs> even that doesn't do the trick. Not even if I have it in the background. I can't push you over the edge. Maybe if I put on a Nixon mask, I'll get the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so, so Dr. Fuck, do you, uh, do you have an uh, album you want to recommend to anyone that, you know, something maybe you've been listening to this week, you know, that you want to recommend everyone listen to? Oh, definitely fucking uh, Tony Martin Storms. Uh, that would be my pick of the week. That that album is just, it won't leave my car. You know? Nice. I just keep playing it over and over. It's just, to me, it's a fucking masterpiece. It's, it's just amazing, you know, it's like, that would definitely be my pick. Hell yeah. And coming soon, you all know the band Midnight Spell? Yeah. 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 Uh, that I just wrote a song for them. Uh, well, we contributed. No and, way. Yeah, and, and the video's coming out soon of the song I wrote called Turn It to Black. I just saw them this past Friday and they played it live. It's such a great, I think it's the best song yet. And I'm so proud that I'm the guy who wrote the lyrics to it. It's fucking awesome. I fucking love those guys, man. I love Midnight Spell. Uh, to me, Paolo, man, he's probably like him and uh, the guy from Ambush, uh, Oscar Jakobsen, I think is his name. I think those are the two best like modern heavy metal singers. Well, yeah. obviously, besides Dr. Fuck, you know, crash <laughs> or die. But uh, man, two of the best like modern heavy metal singers, man. I fucking love those guys. Yeah, and, and, and man, you've got this band live. They're vicious. They're cutthroat. I saw them open for two really good bands down here, and they destroyed them. Badly. Nice. And they're, you know, they were two great bands that they opened for. And um, 
you know, they're they're international acts, so they, you know mm -hmm. that's why they open. But I, I gotta tell you, man, I'm so proud of them. You know uh, what they've achieved and and because uh, their their first album did really good. I mean, the record company's like gonna ready. You know, they already have the next album before mm -hmm. it, and they're gonna release it because the record nice. like pressuring them, saying, "Man, you guys sold so well. Come on, give me another one." And they were kind of like under the gun that. Brian, the drummer, like hit me up saying, "Dude, could you write? You know, because he loves my lyrics. He's like, can you write lyrics to the song?" And he sent me a song with Paolo doing scat shit to it, and I just added my lyrics and nice. And I, I was a little nervous too because I did it all in one night, like all in one hour, really. And then I sent it to him. I said, "I don't know if you're gonna like it. I did it so quick, but I think it's pretty cool." And nice. then he back saying, "God damn, dude, this looks so awesome." I was like, "Right on." So yeah. It's, so uh, you're, so you're like the, sorry, you're like the geezer butler, and uh, and Paulo's like the Ozzy Osbourne man. He was scatting over it and came up with the melody lines, and then you came up with the lyrics. Exactly. exactly yeah, how it was, and uh, you know, and I would love to do that again. You know, I, I I love writing lyrics. You know, I I just get a lot of kick out of it. You know, I just yeah, I just listen. You know, that's how I write my songs. You know, mostly. Most of the songs I did in Thrash or Die were chess lyrics. I mean, I did come up with some riffs, and, and most of the changes in songs I come up with, but you give me music, and I listen to it, I love, like, all right, I'm going to sit down, and this gives me a vibe of this. So when they send me this song, I just kind of got this vibe of, you know, like dying, everything turned into black, you know? That's pretty much what I called it, you know? But I think that's the name of the song, Turn It to Black, or Turn to Black. Or, you know, it's like, you know, everything just turns to black, you're dead. You know, I think it came out great, but man, I can't wait to get Thrasher Dive back going, because I wrote a song called Black Shark, that is like the best song I ever wrote in my life, and I ripped it off from Motley Crue. Nice. Uh, it's time from the Black Shark, see what evil brings red hot. I yeah. just love that Black Shark, and it's not about a shark, it's about a car, but, um... Yeah, Thrasher Dive's got like like four songs now that I think is the best thing we've ever done. But it's so dysfunctional, but not in a drama way. It's dysfunctional because everybody in the band has got different projects. And I mean, big time. Yeah, Ingbe Malmsteen's big time. And Malevolent Creation's big time. These are international touring acts that I don't want to stop these guys from doing it because I do it for the love. They're doing it because they want to make a living off it. So I... I don't want to stop them, you know. I, I made it clear. I tell them all the time, dude. When you all have downtime, let's get together and jam and knock out another album, you know. It could even be just an EP. But I want you all to go out there and fucking accomplish something, you know. Because, you know, just by Brian, you know, you know, funny story. Yeah. Brian wanted to join Raven when they were looking for their last drummer. And they never answered him. And then... Uh, he saw Raven afterwards and said, man, I really want to join Raven. And John was like, dude, I'm very sorry, you know, I mean, that we couldn't do it. And then Brian goes, that's okay. I'm playing with Ingbe Monsi now. And he was like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, you should have, because Brian blows away. And, and the new Raven drum is great and all. Oh, but Brian blows him away. Brian is such an amazing drum. Amazing talent, man. I'm very, very proud of that kid. And you should have seen the hot piece of ass that was all over Ooh. the other night at the fucking Yeah. Show. She was fucking so fine. fucking hot. So hot. Fucking I can imagine. Hot. 
I guess nice. you gotta at least do an EP, you know, in the coming Yeah, months. I, I wanna hear some yeah. new Thrasher die, man. Yeah. I, I, Believe me, it's gonna be a best shit, I think. I, mean, I wanna hear Black Shark, that sounds awesome. Black yeah. Shark. Awesome, dude. I yeah. love those two words, I love Black and Shark. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Red Hot is my favorite mountain. You know who doesn't like the word black? Terrence. You're <laughs> <bro> racist <laughs> people. For real. <laughs> uh, but maybe that's why he's into Pink Floyd and uh, not yeah. Black Sabbath so much. Yeah. He likes it like. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's awesome. Anything uh, also? Do you have any upcoming like Vera Vaults or uh, anything oh, else? You Vera Vault. I, I don't want to say it's dead, but really, I mean, I don't have time for it. Um, yeah. I dedicate my time to um, uh, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast and my YouTube page. And, you know, I, I, I have a house now. You know, I live in a house and, you know, I, I, I'm retired and I get a pension check, but I don't really have enough money to buy vinyl and stuff. So I do some Uber Eats. I sell some shit on eBay that I don't need. You know, I mean, I, there's so much, dude, I have so much shit that I'm like, why do I want this? So, you know, I've been yeah. making money off eBay and yeah. And the Uber Eats thing, I only do that because I'm bored. It's <laughs> like, well, I can make money doing this, and I get out of the house for a while, you know? But, Try yeah, uh, I'm retired, you know? I get my pension check, which pays for everything, but not enough to get vinyl <laughs> shit like that, concert tickets. So I need the little extra income here and there. Nice. So, so if Gene Simmons had another fault, you might not lay down the money for it. Oh no, no. Ten thousand more shitty songs. Ian makes fun of me for buying the vault, and I'm like, dude, how can I, how can I argue with you? You are right. Hey, what You bought the experience. The vault just came with it. Yeah, I did it because, you know, I mean, fuck, I was working in the city, I had a lot of money, and I seen, you know, I wasn't planning on going, and then I heard Ace Frehley was going to be there, I was like, oh, I'm gone. Fuck it, that's why I did it. Yeah, it made sense to me, especially here in the Ace thing. It's like, you get to go in there, you got, you know, Gene to, you know, to tape him for the RMCP, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm sorry that the vault itself was kind of shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, you get I do. Best, best songs off the 12 out, uh, 12 CDs in there. It's a decent EP. Yeah. <laughs> I love when I love uh, Legends Never Die. That's a good fucking track. Yeah. Did you, you got an Elder cassette? <laughs> that's what that's what came. <laughs> well, there was a couple other things I can't remember that don't matter. But I got an Elder cassette. Still sealed, and Julian Gill, the great Julian Gill that wrote the Elder book and show like that, he really wanted it. I was like, dude, it's that I discovered the Elder by buying it for a buck one day in 1985, taking a chance. It's kind of special to me, so I still have it. I still have it sealed, you know. <laughs> I kept it. About if Paul Stanley had a fault, it'd be like Purple Velvet, the glow, uh, Glory Hole. <laughs> <laughs> it'd come with a fucking dildo. With the Kiss logo on it, <laughs> uh, open up, you'd open up your vault and you'd hear <laughs> like, is my cell phone going off? Yeah, you have to close it for the, the for the humming to stop. <laughs> um, oh, so, uh, so Eric, what's your pick of the week? <laughs> so my pick of the week, um, like I said on the last episode, there's like there's certain amount, there's these certain bands that I love listening to during the winter time. You know what? It's cold outside. We got snow. And my last pick of the week was Sabotage. 
us the last sabotage wear. Well, the other band I love to listen to in the wintertime is the Beatles. And I've been really, really loving uh, Hard Day's Night because I've been watching the movie as well. Uh, man, that's just that's such a good album. I really feel like that era of the Beatles is ignored a lot by people. I feel like so many people, especially younger people, they only gravitate towards like Rubber Soul and Beyond, and they kind of ignore the whole kind of Beatlemania era. And I feel there's a lot of great material in that Beatlemania era, and Hard Day's Night, man, it's just, that's a perfect album. Like, my least favorite song is still, like, you know, a 10 out of 10 song. Uh, but a lot of great tracks on that one. I definitely recommend Hard Day's Night, the album, and as well, too, watch the movie. I think the movie will make you appreciate the album even more. It's a really well-written movie, really great. Um, so, yeah, that's my recommendation, the Hard Day's Night by the Beatles, both the album and the movie. Check them out. The movie's amazing. I love it. It's just amazing. And, and you know, just the way they captured the Beatles in that movie, and it's funny. I love the Yeah. And, and uh, it's well it's well paced. It's not, and it doesn't seem dated to me. It's just, it's a, it's a timeless classic. Well, so to me, it's like the best rock and roll movie ever made. There's a lot of pop groups, too, that have always copied that movie. Like, I know when I was younger, I had a huge crush on, like, all the Spice Girls, and they did, like, a movie that was that was basically a rip-off of Hard Day's Night, and there are a lot of other pop groups that they did, like, the same thing. They tried making, like, a movie or something, then it was basically a rip-off of Hard Day's Night, so everyone's tried to duplicate it. I, I saw that. Classic. I saw the Spice Girls movie in the Spice World. Me yeah, too. In New York, me too. In New York City, <laughs> I saw that. Because uh, I was into them, too, at that age. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, yeah, totally. The Hard Day's Night, like, kind of introduced kind of like an MTV kind of style. Like yeah. The editing and yeah, yeah. the pace of it. It's like really ahead of its time. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I like yeah, I like Help but Hard Day's Night is and I like the music on Help a little bit better than the Hard Day's Night but I think Hard Day's Night is a better movie it's a little faster oh, yeah. it's, no, it's much better I'm not a big fan of Help though I think Help is the most underrated real album it's great great album the movie's a little lazy at, at times but the movie but Hard Day's Night it's like fast paced really witty yeah. Yeah, it's really Shit, great. I'll watch it when we're done, man. I haven't seen it in a while. Same here. <laughs> so, Eric, my nephew was just talking about that album this week. It's it's funny. He was just talking about uh, how much he loved the Hard Day's Night, so that's funny that you oh, brought that up. I love uh, it, man. It's an awesome album. You know, the first time I saw McCartney was Front Row, and the first Beatles song he played that night was Things We Said Today. Oh, Ooh, I was just... That's my favorite. Song. That's my favorite song from the album. Love that song. Love that song. <laughs> wow. That's and amazing. amazing. And he gave me, I'll tell you a very freaky thing. When he played Let It Be, his piano came out like a couple rows and he's right next to me. And he points at me. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, here's the weird thing about that. The Tripping Alive Fantastic Live CD, the booklet, has pictures, you know, of each song. And the picture of Let It Be is him on the piano, not pointing but still on the piano in Miami. And I'm like, whoa, that was such, that was the most special moment of that night was when, cause I was going fucking, I was crying, dude. I was literally yeah. crying. And he just pointed at me like comforting me, you know? And he did, I mean, he was pointing at me cause the people around me were tapping my shoulder, right on, man, you know? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> 
awesome. Yeah. The, the first time I saw McCartney was at the Vet in Philly. It was in the 90s. Linda was still alive. She was in the band. She, uh, I think it was... What, what's that album? I think it's Off the Ground. Yeah, or, Off the Ground. I, I, I drove to Orlando to see that tour. Yeah, the, the album wasn't great, but but great show, great show. Yeah, it's not a good album, but I love Biker Like an Icon. That's yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, that was cool. I think that was like one of two songs he actually played that night from that album. But it was a great show. He did like fixing a hole. He did a lot of cool yeah. effects. Yeah, love Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, and he, I think he opened up with a Hard Day's Night song too, if I recall. I think he opened up with Can't Buy Me Love. I think he opened up with. Okay. Last I know. Song he opened with Hard Day's Night. Last time. Yeah, so I so something about that album. He likes opening up with uh, songs from that album, I guess. Uh, but yeah, but amazing. That was always amazing. I got to see Mac alive. Uh, I guess the album I'm gonna recommend is um, uh, I'm looking. There's this album I was talking about a bit on Facebook uh, a month or so ago. It's a new heavy metal band from England called Heavy Sentence. I don't know if you guys are hip to them. No, I've never, never heard of them. Yeah, they're really cool. I was like, listen to this. It's like, uh, the album's called Bang to Rights. And they're very Motorhead-ish. Uh, like, That's obviously. Motorhead song. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's not surprising. It's, uh, the out, al- that is a Motorhead song. And they have that sound. And I've heard, like, bands, uh, I am a fan. I'm a big fan of, like, uh, High on Fire and stuff like that. But, <laughs> one thing Heavy Sentence has that I'll say even over, uh, High on Fire is that, they get the kind of working class grimy quality that Motorhead had that I never quite heard from anyone else post Motorhead. Like you hear the heaviness, you hear the speed, you hear the gruff vocals, like you've heard that influence in other bands. But I never heard that kind of almost punk kind of street kind of mm-hmm. like uh, the young ones kind of edge, you know, kind of funny edge to um, that Motorhead at Motorhead had, like the punk side of them. And Heavy Sentence has that side to it. Like, they they definitely capture that more kind of punk side of Motorhead. And it's heavy, it's fast. It just sounds like it's from the streets of London. It's really badass. Uh, I think you said this once before, Ralph, that, like, most of the new music you like, you do like new music, but it sounds like old music. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Heavy Sentence is like that. It's like, yeah, I see what you guys are doing. But you're doing it right. Like, you got the sound. You got the vibe. Like, even the production, it sounds very early 80s. And I just love that grimy, early 80s kind of bomber overkill kind of sound. And these guys get it. Like, they knew how to make the album sound like that. And, I mean, there's a little bit of Priest, like, from the same era. Like, early 80s, late 70s Priest and stuff. But... The first thing you will think of is Motorhead when you hear this band. Mm-hmm. And yep. so, if, yeah, so definitely I would recommend Heavy Sentence, Bang the Rights. If you love that air, if you love New Wave of British Heavy Metal, they these guys get it and they have that sound. It definitely has that edge and bite. And I really love this album. Um, uh, you mentioned High on Fire. Yeah. And, uh, we played a gig with them. It was the free Motorhead crew show. Yeah. And, um, dude, Matt Pike the whole time was on the side of stage headbanging to us and I was like oh wow you know, really cool Matt Pike did this you know and then wow. uh, after the show you know he's like dude great blah 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 I was like hey dude thanks dude I'm honored you know cause I did High on Fire and then on the boat he uh, I was on the boat and he saw me like from you know I didn't see him but he saw me from far away and he came literally running to me he's like dude you're on the boat <laughs> <laughs> And he's like with his hat chick. He's like, this, this guy fucking rules. Come on, man, I'm gonna get you a drink. And I don't drink anymore. 
I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> you know? I, I did a couple shots with them, knowing it wasn't good for me. But I was just so honored, you know, not It was worth it. Yeah, and I gave him a CD and a shirt, and he wore the shirt uh, on the, on the, uh, when he played his gig. He was wearing a Thrasher Die shirt. I was like, God, this is so cool, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm fired. Matt Pike is very special, man. He's such a good guy. And That's I heard awesome. now he's sober, which is cool, because he was quite, quite ripe on that boat, man. <laughs> I can imagine. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and also he's the guitarist also for Sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, but that's a really cool band, too. If you're into doom metal, that oh, plays yeah, back they're, they're very drudgy, yeah. slow, grimy music. Yeah, but yeah, I love that. I've been getting into them uh, a lot recently, High on Fire. I've been listening to them a lot in the past uh, couple weeks. But yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like, it, it sounds like you know, you can kind of tell... When you listen to certain bands, like you kind of tell, like they're cool people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that guy's pure class. He's fucking awesome. Y- yeah, you can tell. So that's not surprising. So that's uh, pretty awesome, Ralph. And uh, I think uh, I think that's it. Are we wrapping yeah. up here, Eric. I, I think we're yeah. gonna say farewell to you, Ralph. You've been so awesome. It was such an honor to have you on our second episode of course exactly. we hope to have you on again in the I'll future i'll be on again and i want to thank you guys man for all the kind words and you know little do you know i'm a complete scumbag but you know either way <laughs> um but i i appreciate it i appreciate your support for both of you for what i do and uh dude it's, i did you know that's the way i am bro you fucking you dig my shit i'll do anything you guys ask me to do and you know i'll fuck your dicks fuck it i mean fuck all right it. Well, I one. He's too big. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a real jawbreaker. Yeah, my, my dad would be. Like I mean, I think. I don't know. I haven't sucked a dick yet. But I'm um, waiting. <laughs> well, try everything before you go out. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know what it's like to walk in Paul Stanley's shoes. Paul Stanley. Yeah. There you go. We got people. Kiss has been talked about on yep. this episode. This is yeah. technically a Kiss episode now. <laughs> kiss cards. Uh, one good thing I can say about Kiss cards: they're not like parents. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph. I appreciate we'll it. We might. I don't know. We're planning. We'd like to do this fiftieth uh, anniversary of Judas Priest thing in a month or two. Uh, so and we're gonna bring on different guests to kind of talk for like ten minutes about priests. Right. I'll, I'll, I'm down for that. Yeah, so that'd be a great thing to get you to be part of. Yeah, right on. Yeah, nice. yeah. Cause, because the bassist has been in Judas Priest for fifty years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's celebrate. Let's celebrate it along with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, thank you, Rob. Uh, so we're gonna say goodbye to you. And then me and Eric are going to talk about some iTunes reviews. And then uh, we're going to wrap this shit up. Yeah. Right on, guys. Thanks again. And uh, everybody out there, smack them a gob. Smack them a gob. Right on, guys. All right, man. Have a Thank you, Ralph. Have a great night. Thank you, you brother. Too. All right, bro. Later, Peace man. out. Thank you. All right. So, Eric, that was awesome having Ralph that was. on the show. So, uh, and w- you said that you had, uh, we got some iTunes reviews. Yeah, man, we uh, finally got some iTunes reviews. Uh, I, you know, I got an iTunes review back in September when this was still the Metal Dungeon, but that was me writing a review, so I'm not even gonna really mention that. But we did get two reviews, man. We got one on Monday, and we got one on January the 9th. So uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna mention them and uh, you know too. I want to mention to everyone out there, man. If you listen to this podcast, you're on our Facebook page. Uh, please go on iTunes, man. Just leave a review uh, for us, and uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we can do a little contest if we get enough reviews. Then you know maybe you can get like a T-shirt or. Oh, we'll do some kind of giveaway or something uh, if you leave the best review. So keep those reviews coming. But uh, the first one I want to mention is from January 9th, 2022, uh, from Mr. Eddie Mann with two N's. Uh, and it says, wait a minute, I damn if I can click on it. Uh, but it's a five-star review. And it says, if you love rock and roll and cool dudes talking about rock and roll, you might just like this podcast. And he put two emojis, one of the devil horns and one of two beers playing together. So I like this guy's spirit, man. I like this, you know, great five-star review. So Mr. Eddie Mann on iTunes, I thank you so much for your review. Appreciate it. Hey, I like rock and roll. I might want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I got to listen to Eddie Mann's uh, review there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Eddie Mann, with two ends. With two ends. You got to point that out. And uh, our other review was left on Monday. Um, and it says, look out now. A new set of stars on the scene, exclamation point. Eric and Edwin bring the passion and the love to the music that is worth it. Rock and roll. Uh, and that's a five-star review as well. So, Mr. Trashburner, I, that name sounds familiar. I think that guy left a review as well for the great Rock and Metal Combat podcast. So, I mean, the people listening to Rock and Metal Combat podcast are listening to us. So, you know, we're, you know, we're doing something right here, man. So... I want to thank Trashburner and Eddie Mann for leaving their great reviews. And like I said, you know, if you're on our Facebook page or if you're listening to this, go ahead on iTunes, man. Please leave us a review. And uh, like I said, if we get enough of these, we're uh, we may have to do a giveaway or something for best review left. You know? Yeah. Also, if you uh, are if you're on Facebook and you share uh, this uh, podcast episode. Uh, at the end of the episodes, we decided we're going to do the iTunes reviews at the end of each episode. But if you share it, we'll also give you a shout out too. You know, yeah, it's part of the army. So, like, you know, let's get the shit out there. Build exactly. Stuff, you know, and, and I will suck every dick of every person that shares our podcast. So, uh, Eric will get do my that. throat ready. Yep, my you throat's getting ready. I will. <laughs> he is uh, sexually fluid when it comes to. Uh, promoting our podcast. <laughs> I will do anything. <laughs> it's very progressive of you, Eric. <laughs> I, yep. I hey, we live in uh, it's this 2022, man. So I'm I'm trying to be progressive here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Moving with yeah. the time. So he will move with the times and get on his knees. So yep. do it. Just share this shit. You know, write some reviews. Tell your buddies at work if they love fucking heavy metal, hard rock, or just guys fucking getting drunk and talking bullshit. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. By the way, so I thought that was a pretty good show, Eric. It was awesome I think having so too. Rap on it. We'll get them on again. And, uh, well, shit. And just a little to be continued, we will be talking about uh, what Ozzy Osbourne's doing during this time period. Yeah. In the early so, 90s. 
What a transition from Black Sabbath without Ozzy to talking some Ozzy solo, and actually the album we're talking about, Hint Hint, came out uh, very shortly after this Black Sabbath album that we just reviewed, so uh, yeah, so that's the next episode to look forward to, man, we're gonna be talking some fucking Ozzy, baby. So let's see who wins, Black Sabbath or Ozzy in the early 90s, so tune in for the next episode to find out. Exactly. Thank you, Edwin, and thank you, everyone that listened. If you made it all the way to the end of the episode, you fucking kick ass. So, good night. Long live rock and roll, baby. Rock and roll. Out.